Welcome back to the King Bentley Podcast, where all opinions are welcome and every voice can be heard. Today's guest, Sharon Royal and Brent Walker, they joined me this past week to discuss all things black. We had a conversation about the, st- the real state of our culture and what we can do to improve it and work towards a better community. So a very in-depth and detailed conversation in, in today's episode, a very wide-ranging conversation at that. I'm pretty sure that there's something in this episode for everyone, there's something that we can all learn from. Definitely, I definitely did walk away from that conversation learning a lot, and I had to do my own research on a lot of other things, and I realized that I didn't know as much as I thought I did. But I'm thankful that I have a platform like this to be able to hold conversations like these, because once upon a time, us as young black men were not able to do that. So I do hope you guys enjoy that. As far as anything else for the week, I actually do want to talk about Us. I actually do want to talk about the movie Us, but I feel like, that, I feel like it's too early. I feel like it's a little bit too early to discuss it. I'm not sure if everybody saw it. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. So I'll, I'll, I'll hold it down for another week. I'll wait around for another week to make sure everybody sees it before we actually get into a Us discussion. But after first watch, it was cool. It was a pretty cool movie. I liked it. It was, it, it, it was entertaining. It kept me entertained. It kept me intrigued. I did appreciate the fact that um, Lupita Nyong Young was the black female. Yeah, I, I did. I did appreciate the, the black female lead. Lupita Nyong Young did a marvelous job. She did a fantastic job. But um, other than that, I, I don't really have many complaints about the movie. I may have to watch it another time though. I may have to watch it a second time because Jordan Peele definitely is the type of director to have to have a lot of symbolism. And hide a lot of Easter eggs in his film, so I'm pretty sure there's a couple of things that I missed the first time around that I will be able to pick up the second time around. But um, we'll save that for next week. And as far as March Madness goes, shout out to Duke for living to uh, see another day. Zion Williamson surely is a savage. And shout out to Cameras too. I, I ain't gonna give all the credit to Zion in in, in, those, in those final seconds, in those final moments of the game. Cameras pulled up from deep, came down court, pulled up from from three on the three-pointer and, and, and extended Duke's chances which led to Zion Williamson being able to get the ball bringing up court spin move to the basket and one knocked on the free throw which ultimately was the game winner for Duke but um shout out to them for living the scene of the day I surely wasn't ready to see them walk away and have the media drag them and, and, and things of that nature even though it would have been nice to, to allow Zion to rest up a little bit for New York but um other than that I I don't really, you know, care about the NCAA tournament that much. Um, I am interested in seeing how far Duke can go. Other than that, I'm not even going to act like I care much about any of the team. I haven't really been following college basketball much this year, to be honest with you. And there just hasn't been many players or teams that impress me as much as uh, Zion Williamson, RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish, John Moran from Murray State have this season. Other than that, I don't, nobody has really impressed me all season. So, yeah, I haven't really been keeping up. But, um, you know, once this is over, we'll move on to the draft lottery next to get the number one pick. And then everybody be able to prepare for, prepare for the NBA draft. So that's what I'm looking forward to. That's what I'm looking forward to. But um, other than that, I hope that you guys enjoy this conversation. I hope that you share it. I hope that we all can walk away with something new from this conversation. And here it goes. This is what I'm going to do. I don't know what you're about to do. And it's kind of like not helping the cause. And then there's the other ones that's kind of like 
Coons, who's a part of the white people side. So yeah. it's like too many different statues of. Well, we're not. White we're not. We're divided, but white people divide too. But they. Every, everybody's divided. Everybody's white people divided divide. too, but when they get into trouble. They don't they, throw each other under the bus. They don't throw each other under the bus. They saving that person There's for no, the image of everybody. <laughs> now, no, think about it. Would a, would a white guy shoot up a thing that say troubled, uh, troubled man, uh, lost his Troubled lady. team. Yeah, yeah man, they team. don't even touch him. Just yeah. put the handcuffs on him, put him in the back seat. Let's go, Johnny. The um the, the, the church shooter in, from, from North Carolina. That Was it South Charleston? Carolina. Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, the Charleston, the Charleston shooter, they gave him a they bought him Burger King. Yeah. <laughs> they took him in a, they had him in a squad car yeah. and bought him Burger King. But now I think specifically the reason why, like, for example, you said white people don't throw each other under the bus, like, when they get in trouble. I feel like the reason why we constantly throw each other under the bus and don't support each other is because from the time Willie Lynch wrote the letter, the Willie Lynch letter back in, mm-hmm. what, 17, 13 or something mm-hmm. like that, from the time he wrote that letter and, like, in, 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 in quote-unquote, enlighten all of the slave owners on how to actually um, treat your slaves, mm-hmm. he programmed us into, into um into being divided amongst each other. You know what I mean? So it's right, like, right, right. from jump, we were programmed to not really support each other, not have each other's yeah. back. So and that, though, and those are issues. Right. It's not even are, like, it's till this day, it's the same way. You'll bro, see like... Bro, the letter said like, it's going to work for 300 plus years if you do it right. And we, we're on like year 330 now. You it's scary there, when you think about it. You ever sat there and watched a good movie and then been like, that movie was fire, but until like... Not saying like now it's kind of like more prevalent in the times that we're in now, but mm-hmm. there's like been a time where I've watched a movie and been like, oh yeah, that movie's lit. Until somebody later on points it out to me, like, did you realize there was not one black person in that movie? <laughs> Yo, I was like, oh shit, I didn't even realize. <laughs> you ever heard of the show called Mad Men? Yeah, the show called Mad, Mad Men, Men by the advertising agency. I just started watching it recently and. As I'm watching it, I'm like, yo, there's no black people in this <laughs> show, but it's wavy. Yo, it's fire though. I feel like growing up, like. I grew up on BET too, mm-hmm. so like I did watch. Likewise, huh? I said likewise. Yeah, so like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't fetishize over or like not fetishize, but I didn't have like an, a crazy fascination with or, or affinity to like all these other shows because because we had sister sister, we mm-hmm. had the proud family, uh, you had the Boondocks, you had so many, you had so many shows that 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 catered to us. Many shows, yeah, and, 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 and so many movies too. The Parkers. Right? It's funny because I feel like BET don't really play those shows anymore. Like they well, only they play it strictly play Viacom. BET's not black owned no more. It's yeah. Viacom. Yeah, Viacom yeah. bought and that. And I play outside Viacom most, of, most of my childhood too. So like, if I, if there were three or four shows, that I too. was fine with just watching those shows. I didn't have to sit at home and watch three or four shows. They was each coming on on their their, their respective days for the week, once right. a week, mm-hmm. a new episode. So it was like you didn't really have, you wasn't really focused on that. Right. And we was outside with it when we was younger. And then black film was crazy back in the 90s, 2000s. Like, there was so many films out. Films out. There was a point maybe between, i say, like 2008 and then 2015 where, like, there was a drop. Like, a drop. A lot of actors just said they couldn't get jobs because mm-hmm. um, those, I guess, those gangster movies, I guess they stopped being, they stopped mm-hmm. making them. That was pretty, it's crazy because those are those are the type of um, castings we always get called for. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. And because those movies, they stopped making those movies, a lot of people who were hot in the 90s just stopped getting called. But now you see them coming back. Mm-hmm. They're, they're in shows, they're in power, they're in, um, what's, what's another show? Like Empire. Uh, some of the crime shows you see them in. I feel like nowadays, like how back in the days it was kind of like a black production thing like let's show you the real this let's show you this that next thing i feel like nowadays everything is outspoken and everything Mm -hmm. but it's more so like i'm gonna let you talk but nobody cares (laughs) right right 
No, nah, it's funny because I, I think the reason why shows like uh, Power and, and Empire became more prevalent now is because, like you said, they couldn't get those jobs. So now it, it forces us. It forces us to just make the to make the content ourselves. Like instead of having to go to the network, it just forces us to do it ourselves. The thing is, we we were doing a lot of content ourselves as well, but I just feel like I feel like a lot of people was making too much money, and we were. We, I, I think they just wanted to stop, stop. Um, or kind of sh- like shut us out from Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So like, I, I think they realized like they let us in, and we started and we started producing all these movies like Boys in the Hood and, and Menace to Society, um, Poetic Justice, all, all those nice movies. And then like, after a while, I guess they realized that we were getting too much of uh, uh, like control in the, in the Hollywood industry, and they found ways to co- sort of like keep us out. Now they hire they'll hire actors from anywhere. From instead of getting actors from like here, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, which is kind of which is kind of crazy. I feel like they trying they kind of displace us in a way. Is it? I I see that a lot. Like you know, they say things. They say like British actors are more classically trained. You know, funny. There's mad actors that's out there, that's in movies speaking with, like American English dialect. That yeah. are British. That are British, yeah. And I'm like, like, Yo, it took me a minute what? to realize. It took like, me a minute to <laughs> Daniel No, no, I mean, like, they deserve that. They yeah. Deserve they're what, nice. They, everything like, they work for. But I'm, I'm just still, like you said, I'm still amazed that they could do that. Yeah. I'm just, I was like, I, I, I so fluently. Hollywood yeah. would rather pay them less than to pay than to pay us, pay somebody here. It's but regular price. Because they do do that. And Samuel Jackson spoke on that. And he was like, they, they probably pay, they pay them, a, like, they're cheaper. Um, and because they don't really even get shown in, in like their country, so mm-hmm. when they come here, you know they'll they'll accept any. Now I don't want to say they accept anything, but it, if if someone says, "Hey, we'll we'll offer you like three million dollars," but over there you wasn't even getting a job, you take the three million dollars and no right. questions asked, and not gonna sit there and complain about it. Um, but like, what was that show? Snowfall. Mm-hmm. Th- that dude is from the UK. Were the main character? The main character. What was his name? Oh, I, his name. His name in real life is Idris. Idris Elba. No. Wait, who's Idris Elba? Is from the UK. UK. Yeah, he's also from the UK. But there's another. I feel like there's an, exce- yeah. there's an exception. Like he's he's great. Like you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> nice. he um he and he and he was on a minute ago. Yeah, Damson Idris. That's his name. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. but, this guy from Snowfall. Oh, the main yeah, character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because Snowfall. Uh, this is on FX. Yeah. FX yeah. makes it so hard for you to watch Snowfall. Like for me to for me to find this streaming online is so hard. Like you don't gotta stream it. You watch it on demand. Every time I talk about Snowballs and somebody's telling me a new way to find it. On, do you have, I'm gonna try on demand. Cable, it, it's free on demand. I never tried on demand. <laughs> I never thought. Yo, I, I automatically go to streaming services. It's I never, like, I never looked at anything on. Power, funny, like I'd be that. doing that too. What? Because I feel like nothing's. Really I feel like nothing's on the. Right. I feel like nothing's on demand. Because like, what he said on demand, I looked at him like he was crazy. I'm like, FX is a is regular cable. If uh-huh. Regular cable. You have free on demand and and, and like FX, BET, um, TBS, TNT. That's probably all part of the free package. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely gonna try. You could. You could probably watch. It was the giving whole me a bunch of runarounds. Now. Yeah, I know the season's over. I think they got approved for season three, but they was giving me a whole bunch of runarounds. Yeah. No funny. When I was trying to watch when it online. the season's over and they see how hype it is, they're gonna be like, "You gonna go on demand and see like two ninety nine episode." The show is dope. That's a, though. It, nah, it was. I forgot. I think I watched. I think I watched the whole season one. It was dope. Season two was good too. I, I ain't get to see. I'm, I've been struggling the whole season trying to find <laughs> find the show. Goddamn, miss the world from there. <laughs> nah, that's that's a, that's a dope show. I, I do. You ever gonna miss the world from there? Nah, what's yeah, that? I've never paid. I never had to pay for power. <laughs> Mr. World Premier. Yeah, it's a website. It's a website. 
literally you watch power off of it yeah mr world it's one of the best websites most reliable websites mr world hope i don't get them oh you're gonna get some pop if you click something new you're gonna get a pop-up I watched the whole R. Kelly documentary. Y'all, that's the first thing that popped up was surviving R. Kelly. Uh, Black Black Inker. I never watched that. Has and have nots. American Soul is good. Black Lightning. Love it. So anything that's like it's not, a, it's not an ad, but yeah, shout out to Miss World from here. Fact. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. They got a couple of things. They got a. Yo, Blackish is valid too. Blackish is dead valid. You watched that before? Blackish? I, I started. I started watching Yo, it recently. Blackish is like. Blackish is is is, is, a, is, a, is oh, it's a great depiction of black families on television. It's the family with yeah. um Anthony Anderson, right. and yeah. Ellis Ro- Tracy Ellis Ross. When I first seen and the Yara preview Shahidi. story, I thought it was gonna be like some corny ass. I thought, was, I thought it was gonna be corny yeah. too, and then I finally I watched, it, watched it. it. I'm like, Yo, she was woke. She was dope. Yeah, it's like woke as hell, like. I remember they raised they raised they, raised, they posed a question in um in one of the episodes, pretty much long story short they was get they were um, well actually it wasn't that a question was posed I saw an article in reference to one of the episodes, pretty much happened in the episode, the son I forgot his name in the show but he got accepted to Howard and he got accepted to Stanford oh yeah his pops went to Howard his mom went to Stanford but he eventually chose Howard and mm-hmm. what the the journalist in the article was saying she was pretty much upset the fact that every time HBCUs are referenced. The only one that everybody references is Howard. Yeah, and she felt the way about that. She was like, "Yo, why is why is the Howard the only HBCU they could have used? Why can't they use another HB another HBCU?" They mentioned Tuskegee and, and Spelman. Now they do, but I, yeah, you know, people always gonna find them. People always gonna co-ed. find the issue. True, but like no Tuskegee's funny. not co-ed. No, because you have Spelman right next door. So Tuskegee. Or Morehouse, you mean? That's what I meant. I'm sorry, Morehouse. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was like Tuskegee. I was like yeah, 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 that too. Did sorry, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Now you yeah, good. You Morehouse. good. Morehouse. And then you have Clark Atlanta. Yeah, Clark Atlanta's been the same. It was on that same CAU yeah. campus. People mentioned North Carolina A&T. But not like Howard. I think Howard, Howard is Howard, a, yeah, yeah, Howard has been. No, Howard, Howard is so the same. Like if, if you have a show and you're trying to have people like, you're not trying to have people sway off. They have to go Google something. So mm-hmm. you're going to use the most known <laughs> thing. What's the most popular school ever? Like when you think of college, what do you think of first? Harvard. I'm about to say Harvard. And what does Howard sound like? And I feel like Howard, it's a Harvard. play. Yeah. Yo, if I'm a new university, I'm paying to add to ask for my 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 college to be referenced in that show. Like if I hear about, well, then again, you would you probably would have know it's coming, but yeah, because it's like well, in general, now like that's 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 the, that's that's not a bad form of marketing. Like if I'm a university, I'm reaching out to different Hollywood execs to see like, yo, can yeah. you 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 could pull up on my campus and record. Make sure you get all of my. All of the billboards with the mm-hmm. university name and the, and the shots too. Right, right. It's part of the university. You can have this spot empty it out for you. It's a fact. I don't know why people don't do that uh, unless the, that's how they get them in the first place. Unless the university's a. Did y'all think about going to HBCU? Was that ever a thought? I got accepted to Howard. I wanted to go too. I actually did, but then my parents saw the price for Howard. They compared it to the price for Albany, and Albany was a choice. Mm. It's just that simple. <laughs> So, what about you? In my family, like majority of people didn't go to college, mm-hmm. but the people who did go to college went to like, um, Pace, NYU, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So they were like, not they were not really HBCU people. And the inside of my family, there's a lot of colorism. So there's really, like, yeah, no funny shit. It's kind of just like they didn't. The people that did go to college were the people of the fair skin, and they were kind of like didn't put those colleges into my 
to my mindset. Mm-hmm. So like me not knowing about college generally like that, other than what I seen at school, what they had, and them was just kind of like I had no idea what HBCU really was. I knew what HBCU was, but I had no idea really, really like the importance of it importance or why you should even go. Why should I go? Mm-hmm. So I was just like, I got accepted here. This is a good school. I'm gonna go here. I went to LIU Brooklyn my first semester, my first year, mm-hmm. and then it was for mostly like track and shit like that. And then Albany had a better track team, and I kind of got recruited from them in high school, but I didn't go. But like, there was a lot of shit going on at um, LIU that was like kind of wacky on the team, and then. It was a small campus. I didn't really like that. It was a commuter school. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, yeah, I'm out to Albany. And it was like, oh, there's, there's a hype of Albany. It's lit. This, that, whatever. Albany had, school, Albany had cheaper. OD hype yeah. going into it. Right, right. So I was like, yeah, I'm out. Like, Wait, so, so when you say there's colorism in your family, well, the darkest like, the darkest skin people didn't go to college, is what you're saying. While the first skin people did? Um, Yeah. It didn't have anything to do with that, though. Like, but it just it was just, it just, it just ironic. Like yeah, wow. It's ironic like that. Mm-hmm. Were, were your were your parents born here? Mm-hmm. Okay. Jamaican Trinidad. Oh, okay, okay. So when did they um, migrate here? My parents were like fifteen. And of the and of your parents' siblings, how many of them did go to college? On my mom's side, none. Okay. On my dad's side, three. His three younger sisters. Okay. You know, so, so I'm guessing he, that's the fair skin side of the family. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Mm. My my parents, they both went to college. My mom went to Old West. My dad went to Stony Brook. Mm-hmm. They grew up in, my dad grew up in Bedside. My mother grew up in Red Hook. So um, going to college wasn't something that was like, oh, yeah, we're going to college after high school. Like, I, I think a, they went because they, I guess they said, hey, this looks like a good option. This mm-hmm. is probably better than, you know, being back in the hood. Right. Um, and that and that's when that's they they grew up in the sixties and seventies and and um, they graduated from high school seventy nine nineteen eighty mm-hmm. so um, what Bedside was then it it was really crazy oh dear what Red Hook was then was really crazy so I guess it was maybe especially maybe Red a way Hook. To, yeah maybe a way to sort of get out and um, my dad ended up going to study but my mom went to Old Westbury and they were the, and they were the only ones out of their siblings my dad had a family of uh, had seven it was seven of them he was the only one that went to college. Um, my mom, two other siblings didn't go to college, so I guess they I guess they took all that they could from it, and they didn't go to HBCUs or anything. I think my mom thought about going to Howard, but for some reason there was no. When I was applying to school, there was no like, oh, you should go to an HBCU until like maybe it was my senior year and it was late. So I really didn't even know much about HBCUs, mm-hmm. which is crazy. I just had, I, I guess I knew about it, but I just didn't. I didn't understand the importance or the significance of it. But now that my sister is a little younger than me and she started doing some research and, um, you know, people that she knew was thinking about going, she ends up going to Hampton University, mm. which is cool. My older sister, she didn't go to, um, she didn't go to HBC. She went to Fordham and then uh, Hunter. Mm-hmm. And then my older brother, he went to Five Towns out in Long Island for music. So nobody I knew went to a HBCU until my sister went, actually. Which is actually pretty cool. Do you think it's it's, it's is that it's as important now for black people to go to HBCUs as it was back in the day? Do you think as much of it is much of a difference if you know you can go to a PWI and still um hang out with all black people or still be a part of black organizations and do the same exact things that you do at an HBCU or a white campus? Do you uh, think it's still think important I, for us I to go to HBCUs? I think it's it depends. Because you, you could you could still be you could still be an activist in your own, in your PWI environment. You know what I mean? So it's like, 
kind of funny. It's kind of like, in a way, college has been normalized in general. Because, mm-hmm. like, there's people out there that go and you waste your money going to college when you have that drive to do whatever you want to do in general. Right. Because, like, a lot of things out here, you need the paper. Cool. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's always, like, ways that you could bypass. It's not all about making max cap. It's like you could take the time there, get the experience, and get where you need to go, really. Mm-hmm. But, like, I feel like in a black family and, like, more ethnic families, they feel like it's going to give you a little edge. They just don't want you to be, like down here when you could be a little bit higher off the get-go mm-hmm. but you also like depending on where you're going you might actually just be wasting money and digging yourself in a deeper hole it's another two hbcus ain't cheap they're not cheap they don't be throwing scholarships at you either that's one of the things i want to mention they're not cheap they're they're i think there are a few state um hbcus mm-hmm. Which is probably cheaper for the people who live in that in state. that particular yeah, state, right? Then that would be no problem if I lived in like Virginia over there. Or something. Yeah, if I lived in Florida, then maybe Jackson or, State would be a valid yeah. option. But right, if I'm about to go leave my state to go down to your state, pay out of state tuition right, <laughs> for right. the same quality education right. I can get, right? Mm, I don't know if I want to do so that. Those schools don't even have the funding to sort of like offer, um, like offer us that much money so we can go. Like, so if you want to, if I guess if you're exceptional, you can go. Mm-hmm. But also, if you're just somewhere in the middle, they're not offering that much financial aid. And if you're if your parents are middle class, they're not gonna sit here and and, and um, throw money at you. Right. But then but then again, you'll be in you'll be in debt. You'll be in student debt because nobody can afford twenty thousand dollars a year for tuition. So if I, that's, I, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Class, if parents, Even if you were middle class, you still can't afford you tuition. Can't, you can't. That's sh- you can't. You can't. I, I mean, I think that's unrealistic. But at the same time, though, it, it, it forces you to think. It's college, it's, I don't even think college is like... I don't think it's overpriced, though, at the same time. Because you're really paying for the experience. When you, as, as, tell me when you go away. Like, if you're paying tuition like for... Like, if you you're a commuter. You're paying to live. You're paying to... Yeah, like, if you, when you yeah. go away to school, you, you look, you're paying for the experience. So I could see why it's that much, but it's, it is ridiculous. Yeah. The fact it's that, you scam, know, even if, you're, if you, even if you're a middle-class citizen, it's still a struggle for you to pay it is. for it college. Is. And I, don't, and I think there's too many majors without um, any uh, like any security. Like you can you can major in something, and if it doesn't work out, and you don't get accepted to a, a graduate program, um, you are kind of like at square one again. And mm-hmm. now you're trying to figure out again what do I what do I do with what I have. So I feel like there are too many majors that that you can't really make money in, and then you go and you waste your money going to a school like that, and then you got to go back to a CUNY school. Because it's more affordable. Now you're trying to go back and say, "Oh, I want to be a nurse now," because that's the only way I'm gonna have a good career right. or, or make something of myself. A lot of people go to like, like private, you know, universities. Many athletes go to school and realize there's nothing they could do with what their with their degree, and there's nothing that they could do with the sport that they play. Like I know a lot of basketball players who are still trying to play basketball. You're 26, <laughs> trying to go back to school to play basketball. <laughs> I mean, like some people have a dream and it's okay. But then again, you know, I feel like you waste time. A lot, a lot of college athletes, they go to school and they just don't do anything but that sport. But the sport, right. And that sport is not going to make you money. And some people will. Some people are really, you know, really, you know, exceptional. But even playing overseas, now you got to play in Mexico. Bro, your checks aren't even guaranteed overseas sometimes. It's yeah. not. Yeah, overseas, they give you like a stipend. That's what it $60,000 to play basketball? If you get the stipend. Yeah. Like, <laughs> It's it's I don't know it's it's a tricky situation it's a tricky situation but I think going into college you really gotta 
you really have to have already done your research career wise right. going into college. I think right. I don't know about y'all, but when I when I was going into college, I ain't do much research. Like I had an idea of what I wanted to no do, funny. but I ain't really sit down and take the time out to do research. I just wow. figured it out as I went along. And right. I'm like, All right, I'll, I'll do this and I like this. And then by the time I graduated, I had it, I had it under control, but. It's, it's definitely wise for you to do that research before you go to school so I that you're not there more research like a day in hell like right right that's true i wish i did more research before i even um like like maybe in 10th grade i think that's when the research should start because Next. because that's when you should be able to narrow down your school instead of applying your senior year and you're applying in february um plus they January. look at your 10th grade scores the most i think if i'm not mistaken that's a possibility and, uh, too, so. 10th grade scores, scores or junior year one of the two one of the two middle years right right i, I would have i probably would have even chosen hbc because the, some some of those um schools have actually a doctorate of physical therapy program mm. howard and hampton has one i would have chose those schools to go to because it would make sense it would be easier for you right. as an undergrad to get into their graduate program. You just go someone. straight through. Yeah. yeah. You would have had like an end game to see too. It's not like, okay, I'm going to get this degree. I don't know what I'm going to do after, but I'm going to look this up right now. But you're thinking like, okay, I got this. This is like the plan mm -hmm. and I'm going to be making that money afterwards. So this is what I'm doing. Right, right, right. You know. That's definitely true. But like you said, college is, part of college is a scam. It's funny because prior to me going to college, I knew it was a scam. I just couldn't put my finger on it. It's a scam that you have to do. You have to do 120 credits for a bachelor's. It's a you should, yo, it's you a really scam, need two yo. years. You just need two years to get a bachelor's. Bro, two years. It. So I mean, just you don't need like, you don't you need all the extra classes. Take a general math class. I had to take a stats class. A statistics class. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I think in some ways statistics is important, but not all of it. Not everything that you learn in statistics is important. I feel like they can condense a lot of these classes, and and it should be sixty credits. We shouldn't have to spend so much time in college take all these classes that we would never use. What I think is that <clears throat> it's not so much that you need those things. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's that the people in charge. Everybody has to take certain types of classes to make them somewhat of a better rounded human being. <laughs> uh, a writing class, yes. Writing, psychology, sociology. Not even writing, like language classes. <laughs> language class, like you have to take a language class. Why? I was taking language all high school, but I got to take a college language class. Yo, I'm telling you, I feel like once you graduate, you graduate high school around like 17, 18. Mm -hmm. I think after two years, like, why can't, my thing is, why can't you graduate? Go straight to college and automatically get into your major studies. What makes them think that you That's have to wait two about. years? That's what I was thinking. To about. prepare to then start focusing on your major. I think high school is a joke. <laughs> high school bit a joke. High school is uh, OD high, easy. High school, high school education is a joke. You high school know, OD you, easy. I was in advanced classes, and going into like the sciences, I was in for a rude awakening because I had no foundation. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So. I didn't even understand the the language of of a lot of things that they were that they were teaching in science. So when it came to when you start talking about cells, you start talking about evolution of cells. You start talking about how cells divide and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know mitosis, meiosis, is, but there are other there are other um, aspects and nuances of it. And you're like, I don't even know what this crap is. I never even heard of this stuff. And in, in Elmont, I didn't get that foundation. And could you imagine? You pay all these taxes to go to that school. It's supposed <laughs> to be such a great school. We 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 got like the most pissy education that you can get as a as a regular <laughs> as a regular you know regular student. Advanced advanced students they they were taking AP this AP that. AP they they mm -hmm. they were they were even prepared for the SATs. Mm -hmm. Wait, were, so, so what was what was your education like? What type of things were you doing in high school? 
All right, so English class, we read a book a, a, as as a class. And answer <laughs> questions on as a it. class. So, popcorn. So elementary so, school stuff. Popcorn. Yeah. So like so you so you what? read this page, I send it off to you. You read that page. You said said popcorn. So no, no. I said that's cold popcorn. Yeah, popcorn reading. <laughs> yeah, popcorn it's like past the popcorn. Yeah. Yo, that's crazy. So what popcorn reading in high school? Will you have? If you if you if you said English class and do that for for five years, five six years. Nah, but I mean, listen, everybody get to read a little paragraph. You be able to comprehend a paragraph at a time. I'm talking about if someone asks you to read a chapter, uh huh, and then um, like explain it and, and understand and sort of and understand what you read. You, you can't do that if you, if the foundation foundational skills aren't being like like aren't being met with you. You know what I'm saying? Like I know it, you so like you. You really don't even know how to study. Mm-hmm. You sitting there, you looking at you looking at pages and pages. Next thing you know, you you don't lost your spot. You don't know where you're at. You don't understand what you read because you didn't even have any of those skills. When you think about it, how those normal. skills weren't exercised from you. I see what you're saying. Those skills weren't exercised. They weren't before that. So it's like now you throw me into the fire, and I'm just. But then again, if you read if you read all your like all your your childhood years, I'm pretty sure you'd be able to. You have good reading comprehension skills. You probably have better reading comprehension skills than people. who Maybe grew up in inner city and went to a, to a really bad school, mm-hmm. but you know, again, like in terms of vocabulary, in terms of um, understanding science, understanding a lot of those classes that that you take in, in college, you, you had no foundation for it. I, I feel like you really didn't. I feel like maybe maybe a better foundation than other students, but it didn't put us a but it didn't put us above the eight ball. advantage. It didn't put us at an advantage. Mm-hmm. It may it, it probably kept us like in the middle. You know what I'm saying? That's that's how I feel about that. So, I'm going to give y'all a little bit of perspective on my life in mm-hmm. general, and then I'm going to give y'all my take on it. So, growing up, my parents was never together. Mm-hmm. My mom moved from, like, Hollis, Far Rockaway, Laurelton, shit like that, and my dad always was in, he moved from Laurelton to Elmont when I was a young age. So, I was like, at one point, I was going to PS118, and then I moved to Georgia at one point, was going to Belmont Hills. And I was going to Alden Terrace, and then niggas see me coming from across the street from Queens, snitched on me, couldn't go back to school in Elmont. What? So I was going to school in Queens for a minute. So, like, thinking about how the different education I got in Elmont, and then the different education I had at PS118, mm-hmm. like, PS118 was a game, a joke. Like, I was just going to school for the sport, for the sport <laughs> to, see my, to see my sons. To play at recess, mm-hmm. it was like really nothing. Sons was having fights inside the classroom, <laughs> right, right. like at Elmont, some shit like that don't really be happening. Right, like no funny. Like when you go over here, it's kind of I don't want to say it's more civilized people, but low key it's more civilized people. Because when I was there at that school, it's just like, damn, what the fuck is about to happen today? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I just that's you know, mad trouble. Just, just trying to stay away kid, from like, somebody, stay away from this crowd of people. Because you know, if you walk past there, you don't even know what type of time they gonna be on today. When I'm going to Elmont, it's like there was different stuff like that. But we was like most of our time playing, and when it tipped over the edge, everybody knew when to stop. Everybody knew like, all right, all right, cool, cool, cool. But over there, it's kind of like. Point. There's no breaking point. Right. It's, it's like in the boondocks, it's a nigga moment. Like right. everybody, right. <laughs> like <laughs> so. It's kind of like I hear that word a bad little yeah, nigga moment. It was crazy. I'm just like yo, to the yo. So like when I'm at, I want to say I spent most time at Elmont. So when I was over there, I was just like, yo, like, and then I had to the different 
the different ways is like walking home. You got to walk home. Buses don't go all everywhere. Like how sometimes at my elementary school, I got to ride the bus to go to Alden. Got to whatever. There was just like more amenities. Even though we didn't have much there, mm-hmm. it's just kind of thinking about how much I see that we didn't have still mm-hmm. and how much less was in the other place. And then um, in Elmont, I took two AP classes. That's it. So also from seeing from AP to the regular classes, mm-hmm. that AP shit was hard, bro. Like if you wasn't in AP classes from ninth grade going up, you jumping into it because I didn't go into AP till like 11th and 12th grade. Yeah. So if you just get thrown into that, it's just kind of like from there. It's like, wow, what the hell? And then they got so much. And then all of them are already close knit. Like the AP people was always close knit, right? Mm. So I'm in there. I'm the never been in the AP before. They just kind of like, look at this dude. Yeah, look at this dude. Look how high school you've been calling. So nervous. They're like, what are you doing here? Why are you on? Not valid. Teacher come to teacher come to me. He's like, you sure you got the right schedule? Cause <laughs> the AP teachers know the AP kids too. Right. Type stuff. So it was just kind of like seeing all the different levels. It's kind of staggering. It's kind of like not prepared at all for life in general. To being semi prepared and being a decent, well rounded person to be given, and then to being given like all the tools that you need. So like. I feel like in Elmont, it's mostly ethnic people, mostly black people, some Indians, Haitians, this, that, everything here. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like they look, and then from the pickings, they choose who they think is more promising to put into another program. To So it's like all about bunches of people and where you, how much you want to give them. Like, no matter what level you're on, it's how much they want to give you. Give you. It's crazy. I think at the same time, I think it's, it, it starts at home, though, because... Definitely I feel like the home. parents have to have to enforce what the school needs to be taught, what the school needs to teach mm-hmm. their the kids. So it's like, if you if you if if you're not involved in your child's education, then they're not gonna they're not gonna learn the things that you think that they need to learn. Not at all. Because so, like so some of the schools is just not gonna do. It. Some of the schools just don't have the curriculum for it. Some of the schools just don't care. Some of the teachers is just there for a check. So it's mm-hmm. like if you the parent aren't enforcing that on the teacher, enforcing that on the school, and holding the school accountable, then right. your child's gonna get shorted. I I mean. I can I, I had I had the blessing growing up both my parents both my parents been together for twenty two years mm-hmm. if they had if I had only one parent I, I'm pretty sure both of them would try to be involved but at the end of the day if you have to if you have to have a mortgage if you have a mortgage and that, that's a responsibility and you have other children you know your involvement is is somewhat not involved because you or like as a child you have to grow up and be more self-sufficient actually have to do for yourself because Mm -hmm. they can't hold your hand through everything you go through so there are a lot of parents who who are not involved and just don't really some parents don't even care you have some parents who just don't have the time like they're barely making to their parent-teacher conference like they're they're getting there at 10 o'clock they just can't they just can't just don't have that don't have that luxury like if I care, then I can't. I can't be at work providing right. for you. Like right. the time I take to try to care about that, something else is gonna is, is gonna lack attention. And then 
My parents was always involved in my education. I mean, I feel like my parents was too involved entirely. They used to get tight. They never, they never used to take the um, they never used to take my side in the situation. It took two. They always took the teacher's side. I used to hate that. My mom cut the cable off for two years. School years is crazy. As a as a kid, grade, could you imagine not being able to watch no cartoons? That's wild. So I said for two years. Two years. Um, did it help? Possibly. I'm about to, yeah, I'm about to ask you. Did, did it really help him? Maybe get to Harvard or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, wasn't, I, I wasn't like the best student in the world, but at the end of the day, it, it, she cared that much about our education mm-hmm. to at least say, listen, well, I'm not going to allow you I'm not gonna to play video games and watch TV all day. Like, that's out of the question. It's a fact. There's See, so, some people aren't as, aren't as fortunate as that. Yeah. Like, that's why it's just like, you can't really, you can't always blame, like, you can't always blame the institution because... I just I always I always thought situations like issues like that always start at home. Like most issues, yeah. in my opinion, start at home. So it's mm-hmm. like some people just aren't that fortunate to Even have somebody in their life that school. that cares enough about their well being and learning. Right, right, that's true. Even in elementary school, I remember um, they wanted to have me evaluated, and this is crazy. I, I used to play the drums when I was a kid. I was really good. I used, mm-hmm. to, play, I used to be in a marching band, and I was very great at at the snare drum. I said, you know, I picked up drumsticks at a young age, and I, and I wanted to be that, like Nick Cannon. Me too, as well. Mm-hmm. And I was still one of my favorite movies all the time. And I was that good, and I used to play I used to play in this marching band. We used to do the Puerto Rican Day Parade, mm-hmm. many parades in New York. And um, in, like, fourth grade, my teacher's like, why is he always stepping on the table? Like, what's wrong with him? And, like, I'm always making beats on the table because I love drumming that much. Right. I feel they like the really, same shit happened to me. They actually had me evaluated and thought I was at ADHD. And special. They were really trying to, to do that shit to me, too. Me and they were, they were really trying to, like, evaluate me. And my mom's like, I'm not signing no papers. Like, my son is fine. Like, this is this is ridiculous. But they tried so hard to to, to kind of even even hold me back or hold back my education. They, they tried to have me in, like, smaller classrooms for test taking. I'm like, I don't need this. Like, what is, why are you giving That's me all Trying to make beats. Yeah, yeah and, and in my head, I just love music that much. So mm-hmm. if I heard a great, if I had a great song over the weekend, I'm going back to class on Monday and I'm banging on the table and I'm and I'm making beats on the table. And and to her, a black boy drumming on the, in the, you know, on the table, he looks like, a, he looks crazy. He looks stupid. Mm-hmm. He's retarded. What's wrong with him? You know, like, I will know. And, and then you can only imagine how many kids who were evaluated for just, Doing silly stuff, but doing like, children, doing child, childlike things. They had nothing wrong with them. Now they're in special ed from from third grade up into high school. What and do you, what do you think something is wrong with you? Like? Yeah. No the funny. Is, they though, evaluated me too. It's, it was mad weird. And then kind of like, I got a letter sent home. The so, <clears throat> that's what makes me kind of drive hard in life because mm-hmm. when that thing happened. Both of my parents weren't really in my education, like how they were in you guys' education. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like my dad was on me, like, "See, I knew this was gonna happen. I knew you wasn't like you type shit, like just like always down to me." Mm-hmm. So I'm like, "Okay, like, what do you want me to do? Like, I don't know Warrior, what's going you're on. You're a child. This is the you stepping in. Yeah, I'm like sitting here, like, wow, you're really like on their side, trying to be thing, whatever. And then they sent the letter home to another time, and then I didn't really know what it was about but my dad is looking at it like oh see now they're about to put you in the class and then i took the letter the next day to school to the guidance counselor and she was like oh it's basically just saying that you don't need extra time on the state test and i was like wow my dad really read this shit believing like i was not shit Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of like like you said it starts from home like kind of what's going on like imagine i was like a weaker kid and i was like 
then my dad don't give a shit about me. I'm about to off myself. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. And I feel like that is scary. It's crazy because a lot of people for, for for some of the smallest things, like you can have a you can have a characteristic about you. Maybe you like to sing and you like to rap and, and maybe you are always rapping and just talking out loud. Um or even if you like young children have this where they're kinda I w I wanna say hyper masculine, especially for young men. Mm-hmm. But like there's a there's a point in in our in our age where we're going through like not being able to deal with authority, not being able to under, we don't have an understanding of authority, what it means to follow directions. And, mm-hmm. and we go through this, through this point where it's like, I'm a human being too. I'm your equal. Right. It's, al- that, it's almost like we're trying to figure seven, out what's wrong from what's seven right. Through, that's mm-hmm. like age six through nine. Mm-hmm. You're like, you, you, you don't understand the difference between an adult and a child. You just think you're all human mm-hmm. at, at that point. I feel like, and I forgot what it is in psychology, but like there's a, there's a, there's a level where you don't really understand the dynamics between someone older than you and younger than you. All you, all you understand is a, a raised voice and a, a non-raised voice. And I feel like at that age, if you sh- come off as hyper-masculine, again, he has behavioral issues. Let's, 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 we got to put him in a class because we, he, we can't handle this wild buck. A lot of it, too, for children is children just want you to tell them, like, what's wrong from what's right. Like, yeah. it, like I feel like a lot of times children will pull up on you. Like, if, for example, let's say you got to watch like your little sister or something or your little brother. They'll start tweaking but until you really sit them down and tell them, like, or until you, until they do something and they realize it's wrong or it's right, they won't do it. Like, they'll do things to figure out what they can get away mm-hmm. with. Right. And it's like some people will see that and think, oh, the kid's bad. Now, I think the kid's trying to figure out what he can and can't do. Because you ain't about yes. to sit here and tell him. So right. it's like, all right, that, I'm going to start wilding out and figuring out what I can and can get away with before, you know, because at the same time, they always want to be entertaining the kids. Right. They always want to, the kids just want to move around. Yes. That's all they want to do is just move. Come right. And they touch you. Kids touch you. They don't even. They don't know. They don't know that you're you're an authoritative figure or just an authoritative person in their life until they touch you. Mm-hmm. How they do that? They, they they maybe they they drink something and they know they're supposed to wash their dish. They know they're supposed to put their dish in the dishwasher. But I'm just leave it here and see what he's gonna say. Right. Right. And then you'll be like, yo, put that away. Nah, I'm not doing that. Until you, yo, put that away. And then when you when you assert yourself, now they like, take you serious. Yeah. Now they take you mm-hmm. serious. Um, I, I feel like I feel like white middle-aged teachers have a hard time teaching black students because and, 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 and we don't we can't even really relate to them that's why I had a hard time in, in elementary school from kindergarten to, to sixth grade because I just like I couldn't relate to them and everything I did made made them feel like they were intimidated by it or 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 you know they probably felt that I was a little too assertive or even if I spoke my mind and just said, "Hey, this what's wrong is wrong," you know what I'm saying? Like they just didn't understand why why does why does this kid speak up for himself? This is we don't know how to deal with it. Ironically, you know it, was, it, it was the opposite for me. <laughs> like it was because like, op- like in, only, only time I really had white teachers was middle school, and they was white. It's probably like not even middle age. So probably like black. it probably had like nah. I'll say the opposite. When I say opposite, I mean this. Like it was probably like in the early 30s or late 20s. But the thing with me is I would like. I would like provoke them and antagonize them <clears throat> when I was in middle school. Like I was, like, I was that kid that was like, I was questioning everything the teacher said. And I was going back and forth with the teacher, just, just trying, just you know, just just seeing, just seeing, just, just seeing what hits. Right. So I, I was the one applying pressure to them. It wasn't more so like them not being able to understand me. I, I was just applying pressure to them. Right. Right. I, I had myself like. <laughs> In Queens, I had myself like a veteran black teacher. It was lit, no funny. A veteran like, black just, teacher, like a like a 
not like a veteran in the army, but oh, like an older just, yeah. woman who's and she been doing like she been doing this. right. Like I know she lied to me, but one time I was like, wow, not in class with me, class <laughs> kind of shit like that. She was <laughs> like, my mom told your mom told me I could beat you, so you better calm down. So it's like you know, black parents, black people. It's just kind of like you kind of believe her, so you yeah. just like. Alright, chill. I just had, had that experience. I'm just like, oh, alright, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I beat you. It's like, I, I don't put it past you. My mom nah, probably I, did I, say I was, I was like, in church school. You even get kicked out of that class or anything like nah. that? Nah. And, and that's She's the dope. difference when you when you go to school with, and have a black teacher because if that if it even escalated to a point like that, you're going to end school suspension teacher, yeah, you right away. Now you're missing a day of class. Whereas, you know, a black teacher, she would be able to assert herself and then get you to respect her, and then now she can carry on and teach the class and mm-hmm. teach you. Oh, yeah, I see, exactly. You, you brought up a good point, because a lot of teachers don't even really have good classroom control. Like, mm-hmm. They're just mad timid in, in general. Yeah, yeah. So it's just yeah. like, it's, it's, it's strange, though. Like, it's strange how certain teachers even end up teaching in certain neighborhoods. Like, I, I, I genuinely believe that you should only have people that look like the kids in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Like, somebody that's a relatable figure to them, somebody that's a relatable face to them. Because mm-hmm. even, even on the child's part, it's like, what if they're intimidated by you because you, they're different from you mm-hmm. or because you're different from them? So, and also it's, it's, it's a lot of dynamics. We don't have these weird bias um, thinking uh, or, or ideas or ideology. Like, we don't we don't grow up t- to, to actually hate specific groups of people. Mm-hmm. We grow up showing love. Right. Like, how many times in your household your mother taught you or told you, like, you know, you you can't you you have to view a specific person or a specific race uh, 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 in, a, in a particular manner and like that has carried with you and has affected the way you actually um, treat people in your whole life. Like I work in healthcare, any person I work with, I just show love. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, when you show so much love, they even have a perception of you. Especially like if you if you treat somebody who may not be from America and then they see an American treating them with with respect and love. I'm like wait wait hold on you're treating me this nice like are is it are you really that nice and I'm like yeah I'm really that nice like, I, I actually care you understand what I'm saying so so like you know when people grow up with that perception on you especially as a black person like they don't think that you can ever go above and beyond and 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 be knowledgeable about your field and also be able to help them out but that's how they grow up with me it doesn't matter who's treating me I'm pretty I don't like you know how many white people came up to me and said um, you know I'm not a racist just to let you know. It's on on the job. Taking that, I thought my whole life that you're a racist. That I thought partic- like you in particular were a racist. I, I wouldn't know until you you, you prove yourself. That's and so what I'm guilt. saying. Not that I'm my own. I'm I'm pr- I'm pretty. I understand game. Like I'm on game. I know what I know what it is. I understand white supremacy. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm not sitting here handpicking specific people and say, "Listen, you're racist." Can Can you wrong somebody for coming up to you and 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 telling you beforehand that they're not racist though? Yes. Yeah. Because you tell me that you got a black wife don't mean that you're not racist. You tell me I remember one guy said, oh, my my wife is Haitian, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not racist. Like just randomly. You understand what I'm saying? Like if you say it randomly, I just feel like then then what are you? But what if what if cause I, I, and this is a conversation I had recently too and because my thing is this, right? I think some black people well, my, my argument is strictly based off the media and the way that they portray race relations. Mm-hmm. So I think, for example, I could see a situation where some black people will watch constantly watch the news and automatically think that based on what they see on television, every white person is racist. And on the other side, I could see a situation where it's like every white person that watches the news, they watch the news and automatically think that every black person is a threat. Now, that black person or that white person watching the news may not necessarily have an issue with each other, 
they may actually be friends in theory, like in the, in, in a perfect society, in a perfect environment. But because of the, the because of the way they're portrayed by the media, both sides are portrayed by the media. It makes it difficult for either side to bridge that gap and actually be friends with each other. So I could see a situation where it's like somebody may automatically feel as though you think. I'm different because we're different. Mm-hmm. So let me jump the gun and let you know I'm not different beforehand. Well, guess what? It's okay to be different. But there's a way to go about we it, though. Different. We are different. We live True. in America. My experience in America is different. As an American, is different than somebody else's experience in America who's Facts. American. You could, I mean, my experience in Elmont is different than the person's experience in New Hyde Park. Mm-hmm. We have two different perceptions of growing up in Long Island. That's a um, fact. But if we have to do business together or if I have to treat you as a, as a, as a healthcare professional and... We don't even have to. We can understand that we're different and, and look past that and just like get business. And I'm not asking to be your friend, but I just feel like off rip. There are a lot of white people who, even if they just have one conversation with you, not that that they have to be my friend or they're trying to be my friend. They right. just have to, I guess, maybe they make me feel try to make me feel a little more comfortable. But I think if you have good energy, I think we we can sort of can like get a that. feel for that. You can. Right. You don't even have to necessarily think about that. That's I want to be friends with white people in, in general i'm not i don't have white friends but mm-hmm. at the end of the day if i have to do business with you or if we have to do something and we have a common goal if i have to get you to a, a, a certain point in health i'm on your side to just do that one specific thing and we don't even have to talk about racial issues race relations any of that stuff because that doesn't pertain to what we're doing at the moment but when you deal with white people they always have to say that oh but i'm not a racist i have a black friend I'm not a voter for Obama, you know. I've, I've never had I've never had anybody run into that. Like I've never had anybody tell me that. But at least, especially especially in the mix, it def, it definitely changes the game when they say I'm not a racist because I have a black foot. I'm not a racist because I voted for Obama. Yeah. But I never had I never had anybody tell me that. So, to be honest with you. In <clears throat> in this world we live in today, I feel like everything is more outspoken. Obviously, now that who's president is president, people feel comfortable portraying this stuff. I work at Nike on Fifth Avenue. Mm-hmm. I see people walking there with "Make America Great Again" hats on still. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, um, unless we're not we're everyday people, we're not actors. So when you go into a situation, emotion is gonna thrive first. Facts. Like you're not gonna be able to control that. You're not trained in that way. Nothing. So like the people that come to you and say, "I'm not a racist," it's kind of like they probably haven't seen as many black people as. A black person has or a mm-hmm. white person who grew up with a lot of black people mm-hmm. have seen so it's kind of just like dang I wonder what's going through his head right now I wonder how his thought process is right now I don't mm-hmm. want him to think that is but it's like I can't control it I don't know what kind of person he is all I know is what I seen on TV all I know is this that guy's nice on TV but he's an actor I don't know right. and then there's just like people just think that cuz the other day I was at work what I say um so this guy was trying to buy these lifting shoes right and I was like, um, at Nike, they don't really care if I recommend you another brand. We just want you to get what you want. And I was like, Reebok has these nice powerlifting, like weightlifting shoes that got like a good heel, gives you energy return, stuff like that. My nigga gonna go and say, I like Nike for what they stand for. You know that Colin Kaepernick guy? Like, I'm, I'm all for that. And I'm just standing there like, <laughs> like awkward. Like he reaching. <laughs> like I'm standing here, I'm just like Yeah, about right. calling um, like, <laughs> pretty cool movement. I'm like, uh, thanks. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. It's funny because a lot more people uh like I remember I read an article a couple weeks ago that said that a lot of people a sur- it was a survey basically saying a lot of people want the brands they support to support the causes that they want mm-hmm. as well. 
And I don't, I don't, how, how do you guys feel about that? And the reason why I ask is because I feel like I don't know if it's the brand's responsibility to really to, to, to back a social cause. And I don't know if it's the brand's responsibility to choose a side. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if the brand it's if the brand should have allegiance to either or either side. I don't know if so from if, the if it's, dawn of America and the world in general, brands were basically like production areas of things that people actually needed. Mm-hmm. Now, like we have mad first world company, was first world countries and companies in these first world places that can get cheap labor and get people whatever they want. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like in a way, back in the early 1900s there was videos basically saying how to sell to the negro right i've seen that video basically so it's kind of like it's mostly for us to buy you see the white people wear whatever they want to wear what a rich white person is more likely to wear fake louis fake gucci stuff like that because you don't see a rich white person wearing it are you gonna test them are you gonna be like that's bro, fake? You, bro, you already know I got you money. Look that right. he got money. He don't need to spend his money on it. You already know he got money. Mm-hmm. You already see that. But black people want so much to look like they have money and to like somebody will really sell use the last dollar that they got to look the part. So they really got us out here looking wop. And then the fact of the matter is that we out here doing revolutions and showing that we're against certain things. And people are still here back in the companies giving them the money. See, and, and, and that and, and that's a that's an issue that we have. But I also feel like a part of us culturally, we like to look good, and it's not something that 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 started in the 1900s. It's something that we've always liked to do. I mean, if you look at ancient pictures, mm-hmm. Africans had a lot of gold. They, they they actually they had a lot of colorful like um, colorful. garments. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. And, and and if you look at some of the traditional African wear, if you look at even some of the um, old traditional, like West Indian, uh, like when they have their parades mm-hmm. and the things that they wear and all the colors and how it looks really vibrant and beautiful and stuff like that. We've always been into fashion. True. Uh, I just feel like we somewhat lost our way and, and, and se- instead of being self-sufficient and making our own things, we, we sit here and we support companies that, that, that kind of like that, that place of value. So like if I have one, you, if I have on Nike, I feel just a little better than if I had on something from D&D's. Mm-hmm. Like a sweatshirt that said nothing on, you just feel a little better, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and 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 because the price costs sixty, seventy, eighty dollars in your mind, you're thinking like, well, you know, I got a little money than a little bit more money than this guy. Look at this guy; he has on a, he has an H and M shirt. <laughs> right. I got on Nike Tech. Like I look good, look better than this bum. And, and, and I feel like that's how we're still programmed. We're so materialistic instead instead of wearing things that that don't that don't mean much. And 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 and, and like we we focus on we focus much. Or we focus more on what we have instead of like our integrity or or, or, or the wealth that we have and or our savings. Like I know one girl, she told me she saved up all her goddamn money to buy a balloon bag. I said, you saved up all your money. <laughs> you tell me you worked so hard for a bag. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I looked at her, I said, you, I said. Yo, that's crazy. You saved all your money you have for a bag. Wow. And she went and bought the bag for full price. She bought the bag. And that's to, to her, that's symbolic of having something. Right. Like, this is my way of flowing. Well, Meanwhile, you lost your job. Something, something really happened. You have really nothing to fall back on. But, but how how can, we re, how can we go about reprogramming people realistically? 
Listen, my mom been trying to put me on since I was a child. She was just like, Jordan never did anything for black. Like, I actually had my mom telling me, like, these clothes mean nothing. And it didn't, and it didn't sit with me until, or it didn't, like, resonate with me, or I just couldn't understand what she was trying to say, like, about materialistic things. Like, how we place such a value on it. And I had somebody in my ear telling me, like, it means nothing. And because we were, I was so influenced by my peers... It, I just couldn't hear what she was saying. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Now, it doesn't even matter what I wear. It doesn't, if sneakers, I just buy what fits. I wear 14. Yeah, right. I don't give a care no more. Like, I, I, I don't I don't know. At some point in, in time, it, when it, I think when you start buying your own clothes, you realize what's the importance of, of Comfort. saving money. And, 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 You're just trying to be comfortable. And, yeah, exactly. Function over fashion sometimes. Yeah. That's how you feel. For real. But, again, as black people, we always want to look good. Like, I know black people who don't even get their haircut. They get a haircut every six months. We wow. get a haircut every, every two, two weeks. weeks. That's aggressive when you think about that's, it, but that's standard. That's aggressive too. That's standard but though. In a way, like right? Culturally, we good looking people. It's true. And we take culturally, pride in our looks. No funny though, but like I understand where you're coming from with that. But a haircut is also something that we kind of have to do to get by, because in a way, you see how natural hair is just coming back. Mm-hmm. For years, it was kind of like if you did not come into this interview looking groomed, or you don't come into the job looking groomed, it's quiet for you. Mm-hmm. You just look like a they'll say stuff like you know you like an ape, a homeless person, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So like for years, it was just like stigmatized. Like I gotta get a clean cut. I gotta look the part so I can be a part of society. That is true. That is true. I, I think I think because of our facial features and because of our hair texture. Um, the only way we can be accepted is if we are the best version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's the only way you feel comfortable walking in, walking anywhere. If you are if you are groomed, if you have on great clothes, and and if and if you if for women, if your makeup and your, and your hair is done, I feel like that's the only way that they can feel comfortable and function. But at the same time, we we kind of have to stop like supporting a lot of these companies that do nothing for us. True. You know what I'm saying? Like a shirt is a shirt, whether it's Burberry or if it's I don't know why it's so hard for people to support support um the um black owned companies. Specifically specifically fashion houses. I think you don't know enough about them. Like like I don't like why is it so hard for people to just like support their local Because I like there's mad there's mad different black owned companies that you could choose from. like as far as even like even on a given college campus, there's mad different clothing mm-hmm. brands you could choose from on a college mm-hmm. campus. Like there's mad different creative people who got some dope shit on college campuses. So it's like, why can't people just support their own brands opposed to like automatically running to these to these big European fashion houses uh, and then getting mad when they offend us? It was like, yo, come on. So you think they really care about us to begin with? You surprised? I think desegregation happened. There was a point in time where you could not go into that man's store and buy your clothes from him. True. There was no way you were going to go into the store and wear white man wear white man's clothes. If a, if a white man was not, uh, a white society could not uh, could not accept the fact that we could take our money that we worked hard for and shop in the same store as you, and and there were a lot of there were a lot of old timers who would tell me like listen we had to go to black owned stores or we made our clothes ourselves, mm-hmm. and we wore and we supported each other because we had to because it was against the law to patronize their, their to patronize their um businesses but. I think somewhere along the way, once we realized we could shop anywhere we want, and and it, it was like symbolic of like, okay, we're equal. We can shop wherever we want. We can go to Macy's. We can go. We can go. We can shop. We can wear Prada. Then I guess like somewhere there was a conditioning process where it was just like, I don't have to, you know, go to this local store that's that's that that's not kept up kept 
there's a local all at night that's not invested in. Mm-hmm. You, I can go spend my money where, where, where the white man spends the money, and and, and if you and if, and basically like you align yourself with him, and if you can put yourself and stand side by side with the, with the white man and say, listen, I look just as good as you, you feel good about yourself. You feel better than patronizing your own and looking different. My counter to that is this though. Would you say? Would you do you guys think that we'd be better off as a community if desegregation didn't happen? Yes. Yes, all the way. We we, we wouldn't have that much self hate. We we wouldn't we wouldn't we, we would work together. I, I think we wouldn't we wouldn't be so like I, I feel like we fight each other just to get a, to, just to get uh, accepted into a white institution mm-hmm. or just to get a job. Like we 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 kill each other we kill each other over resources that that are that are that are provided by a white men. We kill each other over drugs that are that, that are, they put in our community. That they're put in our community. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Like I just I just feel like if desegregation That thing is not crazy to you though. What? what? Watching T V and commercials and it's like we can help you here at this center now that white people are getting affected by crack and heroin. Right, like, right. Right. Back yeah, then right. people were just like jail, jail, jail. It was really throwing people in jail for using drugs. When I when I when I really had to read into that and figure that figure that out for myself, like you know, I not just the drug dealers, but the people who using drugs. There's an article on it too that when medicated like prescriptions first started, it was easy to get them, and then it kind of got as time went on and like FDA and stuff like that started coming out. Mm-hmm. It got way harder to get the drugs, mm-hmm. and then the people like back in the 1900s, it's kind of like you had a cold. Here's some heroin. You could die from cold, cold back in the 1900s, yeah. early 1900s yeah. too. And that's they the was crazy giving part. you heroin and methamphetamines back then in a bottle to drink. Her- that's literally what it was. And no funny, what we're getting now, what people are giving now, they're like small doses of the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's just very, 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 very small and doses. Stuff like that still. But people got hooked on the medicated drugs. And then as time got went on, it got harder to get them. So what's next? The street drugs, the street, the street birds, birds. just as easy. So now you see all the crackheads and stuff that are on the street. Yeah, because it was regular people, then, yeah, regular everyday people that doc- was using these drugs. The doctor, and it the started doctor, like you said, from in the, do- the doctor's office. Let you have all this, like yeah, just take this, just take this. Mm-hmm. Nah, you can't have it no more. Now you addicted. How else someone get it? I, I feel like I was more so in the white communities though. I feel like in the black communities, like how drugs entered our neighborhood, it was it just sort of like. It spread like wildfire. Like yeah, one person too. sold you something, and you said, hey, "I'll smoke it," because smoking cigarettes is cool anyway. Mm-hmm. So you know, you 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 lace it with some crack, and you or you say, "Here, here, here, some, here's some crack to smoke this. This is a little better." Than and that's cigarette. the best high they ever they mm-hmm. ever had in their life. That, they're you know like, they've been chasing that shit forever. Right. They just never like those, again. I feel like those street drugs were systematically put into our community. Oh, yeah, what right. happens is white people they created they created a monster that they don't know how to fight, and now they're suffering from it. From all those pills, from all those pills and um, opioids and 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 all those pain those painkillers that they started prescribing, mm-hmm. the, you know they were giving white they were giving white people all these pills because they were saying that they were in pain. And I guess rightfully so, you if someone's in pain, give them medication to numb their pain. Mm-hmm. They realize it backfired, and now they have an, now they have an addiction. And and what they and what they look down upon us for having addiction about they the treat as a health crisis. Mm-hmm. Like exactly. we can't lock people up. They need they need rehab. They need resources. Now is the time you realize that people people need resources and help. Right, right. Not their people need resources and help, so they're gonna give it to them. Right. That's a fact. But back to your question, I think desegregation was sort of the worst thing that happened to us because we don't have anything that we can call ours. There's no area of activity that we can just say, you know what, this is just us. Yeah, they set Black Wall Street on fire. Black Wall Street. 
I think I think without uh, I think if there was no desegregation, it'd have been more pockets of Black Wall Street. Like, cause people, pe- pe- people would have been, people would have been forced to, um, to develop their communities. We would have, we been forced. Everybody been forced to be an entrepreneur, and in the, in the, right. like everybody, somebody be forced to specialize in, in one thing, so that the entire community could thrive off of each other. The only issue was just that because there were two, there were two Americas. The the, the black America just didn't have anything. So mm-hmm. as you let only slaves free with no no money, no land, nothing to grow crops. You can't even grow your own food. So now you have to. I mean, you're literally begging now. Now you're begging. You're begging to be sharecroppers. You're begging to be something because you had nothing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like at some point, like in the 30s and 40s, you kind of started. Not not even the 30s. I mean, 50 years after 50 years after slavery ended, I, most black people were able to read and write actually. From a, from a from a population of people who can't read and write, in, in just amount of maybe 30, 40 years, we right. were able to te- teach ourselves, educate ourselves, start our own schools. I just felt like I just feel like in somewhere along the way we just lost we lost that foundation somehow. But I still think we we would have been better off. We would have more businesses, more opportunities for ourselves. There would be you know you could call this home. Like Elmont's a black community, but it's but you can't be buried in your hometown. Mm-hmm. I lived here for twenty years, and if I if I were to die, you would like to be buried in Elmont because that's where your home is. Right. I can't get buried in a Jewish cemetery. I read. There's not one. There, there, there's no, there, there are black owned companies, but they're like food and barber shops. Small shits too. It's not a black owned school. There's there's not a. That's the main thing. I feel like there's not people, even black gas. We can't even get our gas from a black. I mean, that's where we spend most of our money at gas stations. Gas stations. And Paul's family's Paul's family's uh funeral home is all the way in Brooklyn too. Right. Like they live here, but they have to have a funeral home in Brooklyn because everything kind of is Jewish or Middle Eastern around here, and they're not giving you anything. And it's been like that for years. Like they they they, they came and they bought up the neighborhoods a long time ago. Right. right. So it's like and, and once you once you have these assets in your community, you're not about to give them up. Mm-hmm. Like you can't. It's not, you're not about to just go sell them to somebody else. And anything that we do have is taken from us. Like my God, everything, everything, Harlem, you know, Brooklyn. But the, not doesn't it show how strong black people are that we're not like halfway extinct now? Right. I always say that. I'm like, like yo, despite all the things that we put through over the past like 50 years, year. you mean to tell me like I don't see how people could be discouraged? Like, despite everything they do at us, we're still here, and we're still progressing. Like, we're still finding a way around all of these hurdles that's being thrown at us. It's true. I, I think we're getting more, we're getting, first and foremost, we're get, becoming more educated. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure 10 years ago, people our age was not sitting here having this conversation. True. So now, true. We're, now we're a lot more educated, and um, we're, we're, we're starting to understand, like, the system that we're in. Because when the system first came out, you didn't understand the system. You were just like, hey, a lot of people have been locked up. A lot of people's being, um, you know, shuttle, shuttle, or, or shuffle, not, I would say shuttled, right? Being shuttled from school to prison. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, the school to prison pipeline. Yeah, like, you, yeah. you, crazy. you, you didn't even understand that. Now we understand it. And when we raise our children, we would know, okay, how to, how to, I guess, um, put them on a game so they don't go down that route. Whereas there was nobody, you know, teaching the previous generation on how not to do things. And there's more. We have more access to resources. Uh, this country is changing a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And I, and I think for especially for people who are who are, who are children of immigrants, it's going to be easier for us to relate to our children because this will be the first time in our family bloodline where we're raising people in the same in the same area. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if you're an immigrant, or if your parents are immigrants, then 
your parents don't even understand you. They they can't even. They, it's it's hard for them to relate to you as a child, even understand your upbringing because their upbringing was so much different than yours. But it's like when you finally being able to raise a child in the same or similar environment in the same country that you grew up in, mm-hmm. it's much easier for you to relate and, and prepare that child for that environment. Speaking of like the gen- like there's a there's definitely a gap because like the way my grandparents grew up was nothing like how I grew up. <laughs> That's first and foremost. I think so, I think I yeah, I think I can write say it. I think I don't think there's not one person there's not many people in New York who whose family's been in New York for more than three generations unless you're unless you're like your grandmother's fifty or sick. You know what I'm saying? But like mm-hmm. for the most part like, my mom didn't grow up in Elmont. She grew up in Bed-Stuy. I mean, I'm sorry, in Red Hook. My grandmother didn't grow up in Red Hook. She grew up in the, the South. In the South, right. So, like, there's there's always going to be a there's always gonna be a gap between the generations and, and how everybody, each generation has had a different upbringing. So, it's very mm-hmm. it's very hard to relate to the older generation because the country was different, different climate. And, and even coming from a different country, everything was, com- everything was completely different. Facts. Down, new, to, new down to every aspect of, of, of the culture, of, of, like of your culture, of your generation, whether it's the West Indian um, first generation culture compared to your parents and then your grandparents' culture, you could not even, there's no, there's no like, there's a disconnect there. There's no connection between the two because mm-hmm. you grew up in a different environment. I feel like as the generations came closer to the time we're at now, mm-hmm. it just became like, less of extremes like there's extremes now don't get me wrong but there's like people have so much opinions now that there's so many different avenues Mm -hmm. as you go back in time it's kind of like it's either this way or that way it's either this way or that way everything is either like this or that now it's like this that 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 which one is mad this mad different avenues yo we have mad yo we got mad options these days mad Mad choices mad options and we give our parents options like, I'm pretty sure, like, how many times have your parents have told you, like, you know, when my parents told me to do something I did, I didn't sit here and go back and forth and wanted to, you know, get, give an ultimatum or something like that. Mm-hmm. You just did what you had to do. Right. But now we live in a world where, you know, you, you can't really tell me what to do. Facts. You know, you can tell me the best thing to do, but... You, you can give me suggestions. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 I, and also... Um, most kids growing up, they're not really intimidated or scared of their parents, whereas the generations before, we were scared of their parents. So if their parents told them to do something, you just did it. it, and there was no questions asked. And then what happens is you have a you have an older generation who who have those views, and then you have your friends who who may, might have grown up here, or maybe their parents are a little younger, and and they have more leeway. And that's where that's where you're like, well, mom, like I should have that same leeway. Why do I gotta? Why, why do I have to, you know, listen to everything you say? Not everything you say is right. Facts. Not everything you say mm-hmm. is right. And, and what makes it worse, too, is now that there's, like, there's kids as young as, like, 10 years old with iPhones in their hands. And their iPhones in their hands. So it's like your parents tell you to do something. Well, you ask your parents a question, and if you don't get the, the answer that you want to the definite, if you don't get the definition that you want to the question that you had, you just go and you just hit Google and figure it out for mm-hmm. yourself. Right. So it's like as a parent, how do you even police what your kid is learning, what your kid is, like, how do you even police what you like? How the information your kid is taking in, like even with even with parental um this thing called parental control, like right, on the phone right, or something right, like that. Right. If I if my kid asks me a question and I give you the answer, I'm give you the answer that I want to give you because I know for a fact that at eight years old I don't need you to have the full answer to this question. But contradictory even to that, it's like not home with the iPhone. You go to school, your friend got an iPhone. Right, like you can, you can just you can, exactly yeah. they, you, they they could get they they have access to their own information now. Right. Also. 
now that they have more disposal at their hands, mm-hmm. when there's Caribbean parents or African parents and stuff like that, that's not technologically advanced. The kid knows you don't know that much, and I'm gonna get over. I'm gonna get one over on you. I don't really have to listen to you. I know more than you. I could do. Yeah, like it's. I couldn't get over my like my parents. I couldn't really just just take advantage. Cause, because they were already on yeah, the game because, because they grew up in you know in Brooklyn. So they were already street smart and they mm-hmm. understood how kids think. Like, and my dad's a social worker. He works with mm, children. Yeah, yeah, it was quite so for at, you. So at the end of the day, there was no like, you know, pulling a fast one over them. They understood yeah. everything. <laughs> my parents paid a, the they paid a lot of attention they to us. So it was like, lingo. all of that was out the window. Yeah, yeah, Everyone, yeah, exactly. We wasn't even thinking to try to pull a fast one on our parents either. Yeah, like my yeah. sister and I, we weren't thinking to do that. Yeah. We, we wasn't even going to do that. There, there was no, there was no, like. Wasn't even going to play myself. <laughs> Like, there were kids I knew who were able to, like, you know, get away with stuff like that because mm-hmm. their parents was like, I don't, I, he's being good for all I know. Right. That's a fact. But, like, there was no way that was getting past them. And then and then also, um, the where I grew up, I couldn't just go to people's houses, period. Yeah, not at all. So I was also sheltered in ways. That's why I, I, I never was really, I was my most, most of my influences were home. Mm-hmm. Because I was home. <laughs> yeah, I not me too as well. Like even to. even in my even in high school years, like while well, everybody's like even after school, everybody hanging out to school late. I'm like, nah, I gotta go home. Yeah, I gotta go. I'm gotcha. I had to go home. I ain't, I ain't about to be out here for too long. Only people can't even go to my house. Just <laughs> barely, <laughs> barely. Yeah, that's that's how it was. That's that's exactly how it was. Sleepovers. I wasn't really. I wasn't. Only reason I was. Only way I was having a sleepover or like doing a being involved in a sleepover was if it was family or like. Um, a church friend or something like Thanks. that. Church friend, and I didn't, I didn't even go to freaking church. There was, <laughs> there was there was no sleepovers really at my house, to be honest with you, and there were no sleeping over at, at other people's houses. But I mean, at, at the same time, though, that that sheltered that sheltered that sheltered lifestyle kind of it, it. In the long run, I'm not mad at it. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad at it because like you then when you when you, you get older, you start hearing the, the crazy things that's going on at sleepovers and stuff like mm-hmm. that, or that could True. happen. You could see why parents would, would want to prevent you or or shelter you from from allowing those things to happen. Like you could see how the paranoia and the fear takes over, and it's just like nah. I wasn't sheltered at the point where I couldn't go to the park and play basketball. I did mm-hmm. that. All, I did that my whole childhood. But in terms of just you know hanging out in the street, like if you're not at the park. And I and I'm driving around. And I catch you just hanging out in the corner. I mean, not like people hung out in the corner at Elmont. Right. Like, there really aren't no corners where people go like, "Yo, that's that corner." You can't <laughs> right. That's that. Like, there's no corner store. There's, there's none of that. But even just hanging out, you know, um, just that that wasn't something that I was allowed to do. Hang mm-hmm. out after school. That if, if after practice you go home or you need to be home by. Mm-hmm. It takes you not long. It doesn't take you long for walk from here to Elmont High School. You gotta be home in thirty minutes, thirty forty minutes. You know, and if I was home at after four, I had to come up with like an excuse to why I was home. <laughs> like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, what took you so long to get here? Yeah, what really? Elmas so is right around the corner. Right, exactly. What What were you doing all this time? So, at the end of the day, you you have to grow up with some with those rules, some foundation. If Facts. you grow without foundation, you you can just see how you know they make a lot of wrong decisions in their life. To be honest with you, again, you gotta. Somehow, parents have to learn how to bridge that gap between their children and them. Uh, you, you, you have to, your children have to respect you. It's, it's crazy though, because with parenting, I think that it starts very, very, very early on. Right. And it's like, I feel like you could you could fuck around and do that one thing wrong with your kid, and all of a sudden, their relationship is not the same, or the dynamic is not the same. It shouldn't be. 
you got to think of the fact that also sometimes you take for granted a child like it's a whole other person mm-hmm. so some people are kind of right. like you listen to me you do this but like the kid's brain is mad farther than where you think it is and it's kind of like I resent you the fuck out of you I'm gonna play the shit out of you I'm gonna do it for nah people be thinking kids stupid yeah that's, but that's kids the thing. really be on game kids like, be on point a lot of times parents they say hurtful things to their children and they don't apologize facts or, um, or they don't even realize it's hurtful yeah, they, they even hit their children and, and, and don't even, like, try to reconcile and, and try to build off of what just happened or, or, or explain to you what you did wrong. It's just like a hit you go to the room and you don't talk to your child for a day or two and then that, that starts to turn into three days, four days, and then now you and your, your child have a bad relationship. I remember getting whooped by my mom and it wasn't nothing crazy, but every, you know, I, I got the belt. Mm, everybody did. And, I think, um, at least. Yeah, and... Sometimes she sit me down and hug me and kiss me and say, I did this because I loved you. I, I nah, me too. sometimes that happened and all like, like my, dad, me, you my dad yelled at me and it went crazy on me. The next day he'll call me and, and, and while he's at work or he'll talk to me and say, you know, like, you know, I just want you to see what you did wrong and, and sort of build from there and say, you know, I still love you. I got love for you. It's just that what you did was wrong and I was upset about that. Mm-hmm. And, and sort of, and, and use that, take that time to sort of, um, so that sort of relationship is not in, in is, doesn't have so much tension. So when he comes home from work, it's all good. Or when or when she comes home from work, or mom comes home from work, or when I come home from school and she's home, there's not no like, oh, hey, mom, how you doing? And, and nothing else. Or like, I just go straight to my room and don't even talk to my parents. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like some parents don't even talk to their children. No conversation, nothing at all. That's why a lot of children grow yeah, up. No conversation and, with and they grow up, they're 20 years old, their mom's like, where did time go? I can't believe my child really feels that way about me. But you never took the time to ask your child, how you doing? How you feeling? What's going on in your life? Nothing. Well, for some of these parents as well, too. Like they, These, these are things that they weren't getting from their parents. That's true. They don't know. Yeah. And that's, that's, another, that's another beauty of our generation. Is being able to recognize exactly. the cycles that need to be put to an end. Yeah. There's a lot of cycles that need to be put to an end. No funny. Like, growing up, literally, I had no conversations about anything. My dad was just like, uh, I'm gonna buy you a like a thing of condoms, whatever, shit like that. It's kind of like I feel like certain households and generation generationally, especially certain people that's grown up in America for generations, it might still be remnants of slavery, and they're acting it on their kids. Cause like white people seldom hit their kids. No funny shit. They have less respect and less things later, but they're more free thinking. <laughs> <laughs> they're more free thinking people when they grow up. Yeah. Like they're more willing to take risks in life because of the free thinking that their parents gave them. Mm-hmm. More so when more ethnic people is kind of like, "Damn, what's this person gonna think? What's this person gonna think? Oh my God, there's just like so much going on." I'm like all, all these different that, opinions and stresses were put in your head yeah. from, from a young age that it's like kind of clouds you. Classic judgment. You know the actor Mahershala Ali. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that guy who played in the Green the, yeah. the Green Book. He said that we go through like the black man goes through like playing defense, right? And the white the white guy goes through like playing offense. And and when you, he was saying when the, when you go through like playing offense, you're thinking about what can I build, what can I create. When we're thinking about how can I not get caught, how can I how can I not get in trouble? How can I avoid? Yeah, how can how I avoid can, this? How can so I avoid you're that? You're always you're always thinking about how can you avoid? You're how not can thinking I stay about alive. An, about an exactly about an opportunity. 
And, and, and that's the difference between how we grow up thinking, oh, it's playing defense and not even trying to go for it then or, or take that risk or, or say, you know, maybe I should, you know, go with my gut and, and create my own business because I could be the next billionaire with, where we think of, nah, I, I think I need to settle and get a job so I can pay these bills for the rest of my life. So I can just be safe, and right? And you can imagine half, uh, uh, half of what I make right now. Mm-hmm. But at least I won't be, won't, won't be you know, living in a, in a homeless shelter. You know what I'm saying? Where white people, not, they're not thinking about living in a homeless shelter. They're not thinking of poverty. They don't think of that. They, they think of, um, their, their, their biggest fear is just not having power. So they, so they make sure they go beyond measures to, to sustain that power and to keep that and maintain power. it. Yeah. Do, do you guys personally feel like you guys uh, live life playing on defense? I kind of want to say it's kind of like a percentage of it because although I see what's going on, mm-hmm. the play of my childhood and what, what's kind of instilled in me is still in the back of my head and kind of like, damn, what if? Like me... I'm not saying that my whole life living right now is trying to stick it to people that don't believe in me, but it's a part of what's driving me. Like, look, I didn't do what you said, and mm. I'm better than you, mm. kind of in a way. But it's not like, oh, for revenge or whatever. It's like, I want to be financially stable, financially, like, not and have, have you, you need something. That, like, you need something on. that's going to drive. Yeah. You need some type of push and live, like, my life, fulfilling life. Mm. Because at the end of the day, life is not about school. Life is not about money. Life is not about... Your job, or, your job or anything. It's about the relationships that you build, procreating, creating new life so that we could live on this earth together. Maintaining life. Even though it's like damn near about to be destroyed. <laughs> but like, at the end of the day, it's kind of like I try to think as much as I can freely so that I can drive and get to where people think it's not possible for a black person coming from certain places because mm-hmm. you see it a lot happen but like sometimes you you also think people be like you really think that's gonna happen to you it's like one in one percent out of the 99 percent, and then everybody until it happens to somebody down. you know and it's just like, so it's kind of like those kind of thinkings that kind of like sometimes draw me back and be like damn what if or like uh if i'm maybe like drinking or like i don't smoke a lot no more but like mm. if i smoke i'll just be sitting there like just like damn like you think really deep like can I do this like this is really like if I wait is it really attainable yeah, is, is it, it really, really possible yeah like mm-hmm. I be thinking too deep and that's why I I kind of like partially part of the reason why I stopped getting intoxicated myself anymore mm-hmm. and also I realized that when I sometimes was getting intoxicated was because of um masking other parts of my life mm-hmm. so like it was it was like bad on my psyche, like down on my psyche, how my parents went about my life. So it was kind of like for me to realize, like for me know who I am to realize and stop drinking so much, stop doing whatever I was doing to fill a void that couldn't be filled that way. I'm just like trying to find a way in myself also to help other people think differently because like that's why like fitness is not just about your body it's about your mind it's about the way you go about life it's right. about everything so I feel like if I could help at least one person I did my job mm-hmm. but it's kind of like now in the day and age that we're in how am I going to do that and how are people going to accept it because it's like somebody else has to accept it for it to actually work mm-hmm. 
So the whole dynamic is just like finding yourself so you can help other people find yourself. But like, how am I going to find myself in this world of so many options now and so much going on and like how I'm going to double down on it when this bills need to be paid. I'm not like sufficient where my parents make a lot of money and I cannot work. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's just like, yeah, you just figure everything out. You got to yeah. spend time by yourself. I, gotta, I think that's the best way to find yourself out just spending a lot of time by yourself or spending more time by yourself. Facts. But like I read, um, so working at Nike before I worked at Nike, there's a book called Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. By Phil Knight, right. Right. And the book was basically about his journey and finding himself and what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Out of college, his dad gave him money to travel around the world and find himself. Uh, I was reading it, and I was like, as soon as I read that part, I was like, it must be fucking nice. Right. I'm like, telling you, a lot of people <laughs> don't even have and, or, or, or would even think to have. How long your pops that just, was you thinking about, Your pops just threw you a bag and said, travel. There's a generation of... of of um, just being in poverty that's been passed on. That's mm-hmm. been passed on crazy. You, you, you probably don't know what who your great great grandmother was, but if you do, you're fortunate enough to do, to know that you probably she probably didn't have much, and your great grandparents didn't have much, and your grandparents didn't have much, and it's a generation of nothing, no, no wealth, no property, no land, no no just just money to find yourself being right. mm-hmm. Who can t- who who do you know you can ask in your family and say, can I get thirty thousand dollars? I'm a travel world. This this is this is enough to just travel, get me to a few continents. I'm just gonna travel and I'm gonna just next six months explore and just meet people. You don't have money to just network. That that's that's absurd. You barely, you you just have money to just just to live your everyday life. And because we don't have that that opportunity, I mean, I, I feel like I am I am fortunate. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I've heard other stories where people have didn't have what I have, but still it. You don't have you. You can't. You no one has that opportunity. That's that's almost absurd to have that opportunity. Like mm-hmm. Donald Trump said, I got a small loan from my dad of about of a million dollars to make something. A small loan of a small million dollars, <laughs> and he and he took that and parlayed it and made billions. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that opportunity. So back to going playing offense and defense, playing defense because playing we're defense, we're trying bro. to we're trying to defend ourselves from poverty, whereas he's playing offense and trying to trying to. Um, Create you know, more wealth. Yeah, create something and build wealth. So when you when you also think about the fact that a lot of people call it the one percent of wealthy people, right? I was watching the documentary the other day of that mass that not massacre but that stupidness that happened Fire Island. Mm-hmm. Those tickets was ten thousand dollars each. And That's that the one with Ja Rule, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those tickets were ten thousand dollars each, and that island was full of people. There was so many people there willing to think and it was a ticket to a party that cost ten thousand dollars a bunch of rich white people trying to find trying to buy right? cool and then the guy who was making all this hullabaloo that didn't actually happen was getting money sent to him by investors and i guess it was kind of like a trusting face mm-hmm. a white person kind of like another white person he's like Oh, I'm gonna give them the money. It's they cool. Gonna... mostly white folks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a bunch of rich white kids trying to buy cool. And then he's like, yo, they oh, just I'm kept a... giving him. They kept giving him million dollar budgets, cool. million dollar budgets. Just like he was playing it off. They kept giving him money, giving him money. Poor little lady from um from what's the island Bahamas or Bahamas? Bahamas. She done, she yeah, gave all fifty thousand dollars. Bahamas. Yeah, her whole life savings fifty thousand dollars. Gave it up in one shot. I thought that that was uh, what I got from that was exploitation. First and foremost, you exploited 
those people on that land, mm-hmm. the locals, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, that that's their home, and you and you are you are making these people work, and you say yeah, you'll pay them, but you're just making these people work like and and, and slaving them. It, that's what it almost felt like, and then you bamboozled this lady to put all her savings and, and investment into that. That's crazy. And, and and other people probably hoodwinked and bamboozled or worked and didn't get paid. How how'd you put all those people on the payroll? Nah, they weren't getting paid. A lot of them weren't getting money. Exactly. There was there was it wasn't a hiring process like you're gonna make fifteen dollars an hour. You're gonna build this. And this is when you're gonna get your paycheck. There was not there was no organization or anything like that. But again, ten thousand dollars is not a lot. That's how much you spend on traveling to another country. Maybe. Oh, I mean, if you were an adult, mm-hmm. you know, and your whole trip would be probably on that. Yeah, especially and I think it was all inclusive too. So if you said you know your plane ticket and you're gonna have this wonderful experience, I'm about to say some people paid more. Some people, yo, they paid they paid Kylie Jenner two hundred fifty thousand dollars to post the the little just the orange picture. Wow! Soon she posted. Like imagine waking up one morning getting a text message saying, "Yo, you bought the wire. You two hundred fifty thousand to post this. You post it, get the wire, put your phone back down, roll right back to sleep." Exactly, and that's, and that's like, your that's that's your whole that's, that's the, the day and age we live in. That, that's that's your your lump sum of money for the whole next six months. You just got to pay for the next six months. You you roll with each other. And that's crazy. That's reality for some people. It is, and that, and that's and that, again. I just go show you how like how gullible people are. Like people mm-hmm. people people are, are so easily influenced mm-hmm. that it's scary. It's like yo, for people who who have like a lot of following, like people who quote unquote influencers. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of responsibility. That was in that was hands. also marketing. Now you see how powerful social media is. Yeah, mm-hmm. you literally sold a social media dream. I mean, there was no advertisements on on, on no on billboard, TV. nothing. That it was nothing. It wasn't even advertisements on social media. It was it was, it was just a picture. No, no, it was but a they color made a block. video. It was they a color made a video. Block. Yeah, they made one video. They made yeah, one models. Video. They sold a dream with models swimming in the water. They really finessed them. They finessed. You think the Bahamas is just like paradise, you know, the, the blue water and everything, and, and it's a, it's an island, and, and you're talking about an island that doesn't have a crazy high population because a Bahamas isn't one island. There's like a like seven or eight islands of Bahamas. It's a combination of islands, right? Yeah, right. So it's like that's an island that's not that doesn't have that many locals on it, that many people who live there. So you're like, yo, we this is gonna be our island for this for this what week or something, and and they thought that you know they were gonna get some type of um you know live out a fantasy and mm-hmm. it was really a nightmare it was literally a nightmare it was a nightmare yo and off of a social media picture and advertisement it's it was crazy i wonder what type of things people are going to get people to do in the future now i really like you got to really be careful with this thing it depends on and it's crazy how they really get it was really they really it was really able to get people to, to get on a plane to be honest with you on a whole nother island in the future, that may be them. attainable in less than the time that they need it now. Because if you see, um, I don't know, I follow this page on Instagram called like Now This. Yeah, I know you're talking like about new innovative stuff. Now this future, there was a post on they were actually building houses with 3D printers. Yeah, that's I saw that. That's yeah, crazy. What's a 3D so printer? a 3D printer is they use like basically material with the kind of like a it's like a laser hand mm-hmm. that kind of like you put the template on it to show it like the the blueprint of what to build and whatever material i think it's just like certain type of strong reinforced plastic mm-hmm. and it'll sit, literally sit there and like create it basically like a 3d the printer out. is think about it like this let's say let's say let's say you wanted like a fake phone to be printed out mm-hmm. what a 3d printer would do like he's saying is it will have like it's like a machine that prints 
the actual material in the form of the phone. So like instead of you just printing like a regular 2D flat surface of an image, it prints mm -hmm. the entire image out. Like it takes whatever lasers it has and like it uses it to like to build the image that you mm -hmm. want. And for homes, yeah, what it basically does it takes it takes liquid um liquid cement, mm -hmm. and you will program the home into the computer, and it will it'll be a machine just taking the liquid cement and just going tracing around mm -hmm. the template that you put in the computer to come to building the home. And it's much more efficient than like than using like what maybe a house with bricks or something. It's much more using right. using bricks because all you're doing all the labor is being done by the machine. There's no human labor in the, in, in the right. actual like foundation of the crib mm -hmm. because you just draw it on the on the template and the, the um the machine follows that same template around the home. So there's no real human labor and it's fast too. Mm -hmm. You could do it in like a day. You could build mad homes in like a day. There's this this is a big international real estate company called Sotheby's and they had like this they had a, a um an initiative where they went to Haiti I believe and they built a community of like three mm -hmm. homes and they just went they just went to the community and they, they built like. 27 homes a day. It's basically like a crane arm that just does yeah. all the things over and then just like figure out what to, what to Google just, to show you. It's not going to be any like big mansion type house or anything. It's kind of like... Nah, it's simple. Home. It's yeah. simple cribs, but it's like it's simple, the fact that you can build it that like, efficiently and that quickly. It's kind of like the that size cheap. of probably like a studio, like this, like this size of your living room, your dining room and your kitchen kind of in a way and then maybe like a little bit of the living room. Oh, so mm. there's no actual physical labor in, in, in not creating at all. it. Nah, to like the like the structure of the crib. Nah, like, I'm pretty sure there's physical labor in the sense that like people got to come in afterwards, and, like, like finish it up, finish inside, it up. Yeah, but the yeah. actual foundation of the crib itself is is literally like a little it's crane like, just going around. Is done. Just layer is after done. layer, layer after layer, layer yeah. after layer of just concrete, liquid concrete, and then that's it. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's OD wavy. The way that we're moving into the future, I'm just thinking like it's sick. Kind of like it's sick, but. That's it for us. That's what I feel. And the <laughs> that's how you and, feel. Yeah, that's, that's how you feel. Like it's gonna get crazy, but it's, it's like yeah, I hope it don't get too crazy yeah. to the point where we can't control it. To the fact that the matter is that life and cells, as we spoke about before, mm -hmm. the whole point of all of it is to change with the times. There's no changing for us. We're making ourselves comfortable as shit. There's not like changing comes with like a adversity that your body needs to change throughout time to get better and to survive. Mm -hmm. We got houses. We don't have to be in the cold, so we don't grow as much hair as we would. Mm -hmm. We cut it all the time. We have food for us. We don't have to go hunting. Oh, we The most that, if you don't go to the gym, you're done here. If you, what you call it, like if you was out in the, um, in the wild and you had to fend for your food, you'd be a decent size, whatnot, or you'd be dead. Cause something else is gonna eat you, mm -hmm. but now that we protect ourselves so much, mm -hmm. there's not much more further the human race can go other than mentality wise. I really think your so. brain. Do you see? I mean, do you see how far we've gone? Ten years. I never, I never thought I can pick up the phone and look at my friend. No, I'm talking phone. about, <laughs> I'm talking about like yourself wise, That's like your ten years form. ago. I never, I never thought about that. Like okay. what, what we are. Not like what. So you're saying like with the with basically with the technology with the with the technological advances that that we're making, we're limiting what we limiting ourselves can what do. ourselves can do. Like we're becoming more and more reliant getting, on yeah, technology. Our memories going quicker because the other couple of years ago when I was younger, I had to memorize everybody's phone number. Now I don't have to. Right. Any number. That is true. I don't know any number except for the, the numbers that I memorized before I had to not memorize exactly. numbers. 
there, there are a lot of things there. Audio books. You don't gotta now, read. Now I get, I get what you're saying. There are a lot of there are a lot of old school. <laughs> you don't gotta read anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. They, they, they just gotta listen. Right. There, there are a lot of um things that I haven't done that my parents have done, and they're just like, you don't gotta do that. Like I didn't know how to even fill out a, a, a proper uh, if I was gonna mail a to letter, mail a letter. Yo. They were like, I'm like, what about the address? <laughs> and they're looking at me like I'm crazy. Like I'm just like, well, I've never mailed something. Right. I do an email. I should never, never touch the mail. I never had to had to mail somebody something. You, you understand what I'm saying? And and like, it, it's come it's come a point in time where we're we're losing a lot of those old traditions. Exactly. I, I I've never seen anybody with a what do you call those? I think it was like a Rolodex where you had all the mm-hmm. uh, the cards and it had it had like the cards and you can go through the cards. You go through pick out, you know, alphabetical order. Just go through the thing. Right. Just could you imagine having to do that now? I can't imagine that, having that. I, like my mom could you had imagine? alphabetical order. Like you know, if your last name is Johnson, it's MJ and it's all in order, so you know how to get to your friend. You Yo, know? Could you imagine? I'm mental. I'm gonna give you two scenarios. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine? Getting up from the couch and turning off the TV by hand because you had to. Like, you had the remote, but there was a time where there was no remote. You had to turn the dial on the TV. So every time you watch something new, <laughs> you got to get up and change that. Yeah, you could really sit on the couch for hours now. You could sit on the I couch for hours. The only time I remember that is when, when, when we lost the remote. That too. It'd be tight though. You know? No, I can't even think of a TV I had that had the buttons on the television. Boy, I can't Amazon even, I can't Fire? Even, if you don't have the remote, you can download the app. Right. <laughs> Facts. Facts. <laughs> it's like, always a way. lost the remote. It's always a way. But you're right. We have access to so much, and, and, and things have gotten so much easier for yeah, us. Man. So, you know, you know, it's gonna be scary too. The fact that we're gonna be able, it's gonna be, we're gonna be able to communicate with each other faster and faster and faster. Like you were saying, we never had to really send letter, letters to people because mm-hmm. out of by the time we came around, email, text messages. Like think about. Think about something that's even more efficient than text messages, texting and FaceTime and phone calls. <laughs> like you like, speak, like, like you could just speak and you, you talk to the person. You yeah, talk like, like you just speak to the air. Like <laughs> I don't know, like you just like this mental. Like, like, the way Alexa set up, it's like I can if I if I speak in a certain octave, if I say a certain name, it automatically connects to your Alexa and you hear me speaking to you right. Like it's, I don't know, man. Like I, I, don't, I, I just think that technology is gonna get more and more invasive and we're gonna get more and more relying on it. We are. I, I mean, most people we don't even cook. Right, you know what I'm saying, and and have you seen you've seen what like fast food and, and food being it doesn't have to be necessarily cultivated. Mm-hmm. It can be mass produced, and 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 you can you can buy you can buy it at a supermarket, and and like now they they sell and they've been doing this for a while. They sell cooked food, they sell or cooked food, or yeah. you can just yeah. go to the to the fast food restaurant or the Chinese food restaurant and just get food. Mm-hmm. And, and and yo, the other day see, I seen frozen seasoned food. Yeah, frozen seasoned food. Like they have made that. that. <laughs> and people really live off of that. Frozen then, seasoned food. And now when you tie it all, I wouldn't back, even trust it. I wouldn't. And crazy, when you tie it all back into health, that's why we're so unhealthy as a population. Why we're so overweight because we don't even understand that we don't understand portion sizes mm-hmm. because food is so accessible. Yeah, you America. Know? Americans take that for granted. Mm-hmm. Like we got mad food in America. We do. Like we have mad food in America to the point where all of our portions are bigger than everywhere else. Like it we is. have mad food in this country. It's disgusting. At, at, at one point, I mean, like my grandma said, they used to make ice cream. I couldn't imagine making ice cream. I just think that that thought is crazy. Or telling me, yeah, that, you know, she had to wring a chicken's neck. 
Yo, I still, I've, I've still yet to taste like fresh cooked chicken. Like, I still, I want to taste that. I, I would like to. Like, I would like to see like you kill the like chicken, chicken, watch you skin it, and then cook it, and then yeah. serve it. I, I want to taste that type of chicken. I think this lifestyle is it's killing us. I think so too. Chicken, fresh goat. I think so too. I think, I think like all of the pro- like yeah, all, all that processed food is definitely killing us slowly. It is, and it's like it's worse when you when you when you grow up in that like when you grow up and you live in that like mm-hmm. you've been eating this same food for the, the past twenty five years. Child like obesity that. is through the roof now. So many children are overweight and obese, not only because of the food, it's because they they don't they don't play games. They don't. There's nothing. Yeah, nobody's they're not moving. The no kids are not moving anymore. Yeah, I mean, we didn't necessarily have to put a. We didn't have to say listen. We didn't have to beg you to go play outside. You just mm-hmm. went outside and played because that was normal and that was right. fun. That's just what These you did as a kid. You have to beg them to play outside, and then there's nothing to counteract that bad diet. There's nothing, you know, and there's no stay-at-home moms. Moms don't, just don't sit home and just cook all day anymore, right? They don't. Damn. So what do you do? How do you prevent childhood obesity then? Um, we we first of all have to go back to basics, and we have to realize what we're eating is is killing us and setting children up to get uh, early onset metabolic syndrome when it comes to diabetes, um, high cholesterol. Mm-hmm. Um, just they're they're not physically active, and and in some in some way, shape, or form, we have to uh, sort of change that and, and mm-hmm. change it with education, like. No, buying your child a new video game every single, <laughs> you know, six months that it comes out is not the it's not the, not the ideal way, do, right? You know, or um, even buying fast food. Like we should put these fast food companies out of business. We should put some of these food industries out of business. We should, of, but it's it's easier it said, definitely easier said than it done. It also comes back to your uh, previous um, argument on generational poverty. The bad stuff to eat. Is the cheapest stuff to eat. It's the affordable stuff, right? Now, well, no, actually, no. You spend you spend more money. It's just time consuming. I I I be not I, like the poverty tools. Like you have to be at work, so you're not gonna you don't have time to cook. So you don't have time to cook, and then the cheapest thing is to like maybe like throw something on the stove and then throw some like what is it? Um, hamburger helper, whatever. Yeah, I know, stuff like that too. Like. Cool. The easy stuff to just like really quickly stir something up and then mm-hmm. serve it, or go to McDonald's like here, it's just like the easy, most convenient, most just like you have no time, you have no money, no time, no resources. The entire community has the, the, those are the only type of foods you could find in the entire community. Not to mention like so maybe that's when prepping comes into play, right? So a bag of beans, right, doesn't cost as much as. Like a ba- if you have a bag of beans, and I'm talking about a bag of Goya beans, uh, I I don't know I don't know what the size or what the ounces is, but that could that could last you a week. for for At over a week. maybe two for about two weeks if you were gonna eat beans every single day for two weeks, and and that's not that's not really expensive at all. I think we we have this uh, this assumption that shopping healthy is gonna is gonna make you. Like spend more money, but then it will also tell you that okay, we got to eat less, portion better, and um, you know, I, I just feel like we spend more money on on everyday stuff like soda, snacks, and, and 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 that stuff adds up. There's some people who spend five dollars every day on Dunkin' Donuts, whereas if you went 
and, and, and you bought some groceries and you bought something healthy that could stretch you a little longer and you have something that's sufficient that can hold you over mm-hmm. for breakfast and you don't have to work about breakfast before you go to work. I just feel like we're so used to things being so accessible when we have to work for something, when we have to actually plan, when we have to say, okay, I have to get up at this time to put these beans and soak them. I have to soak them for about eight hours before I can cook them. Then, then you start thinking about ways how you can become more, uh, how we can progress in terms of health. Like when it comes to food, it's not supposed to take two minutes to make food. That's great. <laughs> food should not be instant. Right, it's not it's supposed to be fast. Yeah, right. it's not supposed to be fast. But because we have everything so accessible, we're so used to that. How can we decondition ourselves and say, okay, let's let's go back to the basics. And- you, you know, I think the hardest part about the food conversation is going to be, I think the fact that the foods that are unhealthy for us. The, the fact that they taste so good, it's gonna be hard to wean people off of that. that even even for myself, even when I, even, even though you eat, you eat certain foods, knowing that it's not that good for you, but it's like yo, this shit is so crap. It goes this shit is so good that it, it's, like it's hard for you to put it down. To, like your mental strength, mm-hmm. like do you self discipline? Do you want to be better? Do you want to reach your full potential as a human being? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be healthier? Do you want to not be bloated all the time? Have the runs here and there? Mm-hmm. Have bad skin? People really sit there and look at themselves fat as shit and still go <laughs> and eat the same thing. That's but at, at that point, you're, you're comfortable. So you're comfortable, like, too, but it's kind of like every day you have to go through a regimen that's harder. Like, I can't imagine being too, like, too. That's not even that much weight. I am 200 pounds. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't imagine being, like, three, three fifteen, mm-hmm. or, like, four something. There's people, no funny muscle weighs more than fat so it's kind of like there's people that's three something that could move if you're tall enough and got it in the right places mm-hmm. there's people that's like made of fat and have to be helped to clean themselves and stuff like that like you're okay laying there and then you ever seen my 600 pound life that show makes what me uncomfortable the fuck yo <laughs> like there's people she just sitting there and then they gotta bring the tub uh, thing like you're in the hospital and ring it out and wipe you down you can't even take a real shower. You can't walk outside by yourself. Like, the fact that there's people out there with mentalities like that, and then there's people out there that's, like, my size, but internally not healthy, and they think that's okay, too. It's kind of like, well, I look this I, I wanted to even talk about that because, you know, working at the place I do work at, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there's a patient, and he, he's probably, and he's about 6'3", and maybe 150 pounds, oh, 160 wow. pounds, very, very slim. And this gentleman, this particular gentleman had a stroke. And he's saying like, how could this ever happen to me? And his wife said, well, you had hypertension. His wife, how old is he being that tall and that skinny? 6'4", I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, 64. 64. 6'3", 150? She said, you know, you, you, had, you had diabetes. You, um, you, you just didn't eat right. You didn't take care of yourself. You weren't getting enough rest. You, you, you had a strenuous job. All of these factors, ignoring your health, ignoring the signs and symptoms. When you have hypertension, you, you, you need to take care of that mm-hmm. because that's, that's a silent killer. There's no, there's no symptoms of it. You don't feel that your blood pressure is high. You can't feel that. It's, it's, it's nothing in your body that's going to say, you know what, my blood pressure is high. I got I to gotta relax. You can go through life and you can function with a high blood pressure. You can function with, with a lot of these, these diseases and issues. But once you get a stroke, that will set you back and that will debilitate you for, for, for the majority of the life that you live after the stroke. And the thing is, how can we prevent that? 
You, you understand what I'm saying? And, and a lot of times people go through life saying, you know, I'm gonna just smoke these cigarettes, and I'm a, and I'm and I'm gonna and I'm gonna eat bad. I'm gonna smoke cigarettes. I'm gonna eat bad, and and I'm and I'm not gonna listen to what my doctor said. I'm just gonna be ignorant. I'm not gonna even gonna go. To, I'm not even gonna go to the doctor. I don't want to hear what the doctor has to say. I don't want to hear what the doctor has to say. Mm-hmm. And then you get a stroke, and then it's just like, now you you it's a little too late to make those changes in your life. And and at the end of the day, um, people have to be more educated and have to be willing to you know go the extra mile just to figure out and 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 be more um, knowledgeable what's going on and what they're putting into their bodies because. You know, having a stroke, you're less likely to die from a stroke than a heart attack. But you are you're gonna live through a lot of complications. There's nothing worse than having one side of your body that just doesn't work. And and there's some people who are affected mentally by it, psychologically by it. Mm-hmm. There's some people that are affected emotionally by it. There's some people who um who who their whole life just changes. And 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 at the end of the day, the quality of life that you have recovering from a stroke. Might be might be a little not not sound effed up, but would probably be worse than dying from a heart attack. Yeah, no, it's not messed up because it lowers your life expectancy at that point, and then your quality of life reaching to where you're kind of just like bringing down probably your spouse as well, mm-hmm. like, having them live less of a life, having to take care of you. You were not their like whole bad. existence yeah, is geared towards like, taking just, care of you. And the more unhealthy we get, the more we pay out of our pocket. And like, like the 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 um the health of the country overall. I think that's how mm-hmm. they determine what insurance policies cost. So because you have so many people who are unhealthy, mm-hmm. who are um who have a lot of issues and diseases, that's what determines our health care and our health insurance. And and if we became healthier and didn't have to rely on like a doctor visit three times a week, there's some people who have to go to the doctor. They have to see the the um. They have to see the, the cardiologist. They have to see the orthopedics. They have to also see. Uh, I forgot what you, what do you call the doctor who who uh, who specializes in um, the kidney, uh, or or the um, internist. Is that what you would call it? It's, it's not. It's not urologist. Uh, urologist. Is it? Uro. No, urologist. Is is, is the urinary tract strictly? I figured, I figured the kidney was a part of it. Was probably. Part of the, that's a possibility. That's I'm a, not sure. Though. Don't quote me on it. It's that, the part that's where you're going to have yourself. But honestly, if you, if you exercise and ate right and, and, and got a control over your health, you could probably prevent yourself from living a life where you're going to the doctor every over single day. Or living on your health. And you have, a, you have a, 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 a container that has Monday through, through Sunday. Which is pills. pills. That's crazy. That is crazy. And that is. That is. We would be we would be wealthier as a country if we had less people who were so unhealthy. But to be honest with you, the the food industry and the the, the pharmaceutical companies and and the, and the healthcare system they all like work together to they not do. really cure people, but mm-hmm. to sort of like prolong um, it. It's also about money. It's At the end of the day, it for money. Right. it's just all about money. It's they all about maintaining the cash flow. Right. Let me treat you for this. But while you while I treat you for this, you're gonna, your cholesterol is gonna go up. So I, yep. I, you, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna need this as well too. You're gonna, yeah, and then you're you're gonna need blood thinning. It, it really it really starts with education. Yeah. It starts with education. It starts with, it starts with people being educated about the topics and knowing not like just you educate yourself so that you can't get got. I wanted to talk about this. Um, do do you think like culturally the foods that we eat definitely has 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 been killing us? The foods that we've been eating from we were captive 
were kind of things that other people would throw away. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the parts. We, for lack of a better word, we've been eating poor food ever since. Because it's kind of like we found a way to make it taste better with salt, with more peppers and stuff like that. Other things that will boost your cholesterol and blood pressure. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that generate that part. You might not know your great great grandmother. But you know what she was cooking because your grandma was cooking the same thing, right? The same thing throughout the whole time. It's kind of like cultural. It's like, yeah, you never had that. Yeah, it's mad good. This, that, whatever. Eat it. But throughout time, it's killing you. It's killing you. And like, um, my grandmother's husband had a, um, he had a heart attack the other day, right? So with the heart, red meat is not really good for your heart. Mm -hmm. Everybody know that. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like. Ever since even after that, he has had red meat. It's just kind of like ingrained in people that throughout times, you just have to, you just eat what you know to eat. Mm -hmm. And food and diet is really a tough thing to get out of people's daily regimen. Right. Because it's like so ingrained in you. It's basically, it's you. That's you. you. Food is you. Food, it's kind of like, I don't know if you know what alchemy is. Alchemy is like basically like turning one, one material of worldly access into a whole different material correct so it's kind of like when you eat food if you eat a protein it'll turn into your amino acids if you eat carbs it'll turn into like the simple sugars that you need exercise it turns into you who you are so if you're sitting here eating bad things in turn bad things if you sit here and eat what you need to eat the greens and stuff like that your body will work your body will tell you what's ailing you in certain places that next thing you can't you're not you if you're basically just killing yourself off, you're just like, everybody's like, oh, we're dying every day. That's what people say. We're dying every day or people have done worse and lived longer. You're not them. Take care <laughs> right. of yourself. Right. I, I always envision that before we were, we were captives, before we were slaves, before we were taken from the motherland, that the diet that we were eating in Africa was a hundred times cleaner and a hundred times better than the diet that we that we were given by the time we came so to the new world. Like, just think about think about the land we was in, like the, the, the all the resources that was around us. Like we was eating very pure and very clean diets. We Meanwhile, respect it still though. Because, respect what exactly? Uh, us being the diets that we oh. made mm-hmm. because it's kind of like making something out of nothing. Out of nothing, right? I, which I which we were always forced that, to do. I think I think in even in our respective cultures, um, certain certain things like. Um, making something out of nothing would be like pig feet mm-hmm. or maybe it'd be like oxtails mm-hmm. or, or, or something like that chicken or back. chicken you said chicken what chicken back chicken back or, <laughs> or chicken feet or um even chitlins mm-hmm. chitlins. which is really intestines right <laughs> which is really which is really intestines crazy track like, of another animal and I don't and I'm, not, and, I, and I'm not somebody who studies every culture but mm-hmm. I just know that every culture has something that that you eat that has that has came out of oppression that's came out of being poor mm-hmm. and you know that you eat this this is your struggle meal and somehow along the way it might have became a delicacy but we then have to sit back and say hold on this is this is not good for our bodies we can't eat that a lot of us have family members when you try to eat healthy and change the way you do things they're like they're looking at you funny mm-hmm. yo what's wrong with I mean and I even sometimes do that. But we, we, we kind of have to sort of like progress and, and find ways to, to, to find better things to cook. And also, I think there's also a stigma on our food. Mm-hmm. And, and like when I tell people I eat collard greens a lot, I'm not eating collard greens that are smothered in, in 
pig fat, <laughs> dripped in, dripped in oil and salt, Lord. Yeah. Just salt on top of salt on top of salt, and it's boiled down to the point where it's mushy and you don't have no nutrients in it. And the greens, right? It's steamed. There's a difference between eating steamed vegetables and boiled vegetables. Right. One of your family members probably like, let me taste it. Well, what is this? <laughs> is that- Maybe. I mean, there you can still season it and make it taste good. Right. But I, I just think sometimes you, you definitely have to use, you should read the labels of what's in the seasoning stuff that you do buy. Mm-hmm. And then also um, buy fresh seasonings that doesn't have anything that's added into it. Right. You're like, there are healthier ways to make delicious food and it can still taste soulful or it can still remind you of what your grandmother's tastes like, but just in a healthier way. That's you know? a fact. If, if you, if even, even beans is a great source of protein, but if you get it out of a can with all the preservatives in it, how healthy is it? Right. How healthy is that? When you, have you ever opened a can of beans and smelt that stuff in it? <laughs> it smelled like cat food to me. Yeah. Like you got to rinse, you got to rinse it off, but I mean, it's been soaking in that for how long? Like, could you imagine someone said these, I mean, the beans, they're already boiled when they're, when they're in there. They're already soft. So mm-hmm. you can, if you rinse them, and just, you can eat them just like that. Mm-hmm. And it has, it really, beans will last you for years. Like, food's not supposed to last you for years. You're not supposed to last that long. something that lasts that long. They're alive. I guess it's about to say, yeah, it's a cycle. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cycle. Like, it's supposed to go through the same life and death cycles you know what as, I as we do. You guys, how do you guys feel? What is your guys' view? I'm not going to go into depth of it. I'm going to give you an open kind of like forum. Mm-hmm. But how do you guys feel about being married? Like after like after your body's dead, how do you feel about being buried? And I'm going to give you my take on it after I hear what you guys have to say. Well, when it comes to being buried, I was always curious as well. I, I believe that one day God's going to come back. And I was always curious because when I would go to funerals and see like, how people got buried and realized there's like six people in one location. Mm-hmm. I always wonder when God comes back, like how are we gonna each like you know get out of the coffin to go meet him in the air? That's the only that's the only concern I ever had when it came to getting buried though. Like I don't I don't have a problem getting buried. I'd rather get buried than um cremation though. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I always wonder like how how's how everybody like, how's a person at the very bottom of those three layers of coffins about to get out of that coffin to make it out? That's just me though. I don't know a culture that exists where you just don't bury somebody. You know, I don't think I don't think there's something that was forced onto us. I think mm-hmm. people have been burying people forever, forever. Um, at the end of the day, I, I, somehow there's a ceremony that goes in that comes into play with the whole funeral and everything. And um, I think it gives people peace of mind because you can go back to that site and just pay your respect. And like you know, older person's not above ground, but that's where they're laid to rest, and it gives you peace of mind. And it, and it's sort of like keeps the, keeps the person here it's like, a, it's like their fi- presence even though they're not physically yeah. here they're there mm-hmm. um, also it, it some people it also puts people in a state where they can't let go and they and, and um, because they, they may be always visiting the grave or, or it's sort of like I think it can make people a little crazy mm-hmm. because when you're dead you're gone right but it gives people peace of mind as well like when someone dies and they're cremated. It's like only thing that you can speak about is just the memories. There's nothing. There's no, you know, especially if you have no pictures, no nothing else. Like facts. That's it. And there's nothing to go back to. You can't take your your great grandchildren. Can't say, oh, that was that. That's so and so. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like when you bury somebody, also records are kept that way as well. 
So I, I think it's a decent thing. But I think there's going to come a point in time where we run out of spaces where to bury people. That's also a part. I never thought about that. I never thought about that, but that, that may be a possibility. Go ahead. Wow, what are we doing in that situation? We start running out of places to bury people. We Those coffins with... just don't, just don't turn into dust. Right. Right. So at that point, do you start, do you start digging up coffins? <laughs> like what? Like what are your options? You start. Does everybody have to start getting cremated at a certain they'll point build, in time? They'll, or? Build, they'll probably build businesses and infrastructure over those over those um, cemeteries. To be honest with you. To be completely honest. Well, they they might start building up as far as cemeteries go. Yeah. Like just build a building where we can just house people and you could just pull up. And that would be complete. That would be like against. That would be unethical in, in the terms where like, I I, I think anything decaying should be underground mm. because you just, don't want as far as smell yeah out. the smell goes and, and, and I mean I've never smelt death from I never smelt anything decaying from underground that, that could come up like you walk in the cemetery don't smell like a cemetery right. no cemetery it's, it's, smell it if you had a building of dead people like outside it's yeah. gonna smell like a building of dead folk it, it definitely will it definitely will that's an interesting question though now, I'm really wondering, like, what, what would we do? What, what would happen in that situation? So, would people have to start getting buried in the water or some shit? I don't know. I mean, some decent. I mean, listen, <laughs> if you, if you, if you can, if you could, if you could drill, if if the people have built like oil I mean, rigs in the, in the in the in the ocean, if you could drill for oil in the ocean, you can get to the bottom and bury somebody. Yeah, yeah, to be question. honest with you, that would that would probably be if they bury people without being in coffins, then that would. Probably be uh, a way of recycling life. That was what I was trying to get you guys to come to. Really? Yeah. How did how would that work? <laughs> Wait, so what? my in general, I was sitting here listening to the forum of you guys going back and forth to see mm-hmm. like how like if you would finally reach that point. So my theory, I like to come up with theories of things because that's how everything is. Then you know hypotheses and mm-hmm. all that theories. Then you come to a conclusion. Not everybody's going to be right. Not people going to be wrong. You could be debunked later. But what I generally think is also killing the earth is being buried the way that we bury people. Because if you think about the way that it goes, it's the ozone layer and the life of our planet is from green. Mm -hmm. Greenery, trees, everything. What are coffins made out of? Wood. We're cutting down trees. To put up metal, man. Some of them is metal too. Plastic. No one's burying the pine box. If you was burying wood, maybe no, that would decompose. There was there was times where we were, there's like a lot of still like with the wooden finish. Some of them are still like the pine like, box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what you call it, right? But when you think about it, we're using even if we're not using trees, we're using natural resources of the earth to put bodies in, and then again. Going back to my previous argument, when we eat food, we're the alchemists of the world turning it into ourselves. So what we what we're eating is like basically I'm not gonna say that I'm um I'm not a opposed to the thought of religion. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming from a different perspective than maybe either of you or whatnot. So I've had time like even though I haven't. I've gone to church when I was younger, but, like, as I grew up, it wasn't my path. Mm-hmm. So, like, I saw things from a different perspective, kind of like a, like a 
cycle, like a cycle of life kind of thing, maybe like a grabbing from different religions, grabbing from different ideologies, seeing what makes, makes sense, sense right. rather than from what, like faith is great. I feel like faith drives people to do some great things, mm-hmm. but I need facts. I need to see, not everything needs to be seen, but majority of it, I need to be able to see how that makes sense. So being the alchemist and changing things into your own cells and bodies and whatnot, we're getting stuff from majority of the animals that we eat are eating greens. Then in turn, we eat them, whatever they ate, we're becoming that. Mm. So when we're done here, why are we caging it into a box and dropping it underground where the earth itself can't get to it to take back that life and create new life? I think it's come, it stems from having peace of mind. Like, you know, when you're laying somebody to rest, that's their final place. That's where they're going to be for eternity. I mean, we're not the only ones who bury people in coffins. Like, people in, in Egypt, they literally preserved bodies. And when you unwrap, uh, what, do you, what do you call it, mummification or something like that? Mummification, yeah. When you unwrap their bodies, they preserved it. So it's not something that, that, that hasn't been around for a long time. I think it gives people peace of mind. No, true. But I feel like, in a way, it's also kind of selfish. Like, not saying that it's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's bad, but in turn, over millennia and ages, it's going to be a bad thing because we're taking so much and putting nothing back. I mean, well, we're, so, we're different, though. We're humans. We're not animals. We're not. We, we're animals. But we're not. But we're, we're different animals. We are. True. You know, so like, do you, th- you think the, do you think that us just burying being buried into the into the pure dirt would be more nutritious for the earth? More nutritious for the earth. In what way? Because our bodies are there's millions. There's how many people die a day? A lot of people lot. die a day. <laughs> and for the earth to be starved of that much nutrients a day, and we're sitting here watching the earth die. What after after a certain amounts of fuel was done, what did we start using? Fossil fuels was a strong sense of fuel. That was one of the strongest senses of fuel that we ever had on Earth. Right. And that was from compact sediments, compacting older um, mammals and beings into that form of energy. So seeing that we can harness that much energy from a dead specimen Mm -hmm. and the fact that we're starving the Earth from having that much nutrients, in a way, is kind of like you're thinking about it like we used that. And then we're, and then also like, if time goes further on, and other people, if there was a way to get off of this planet, right, and gasoline was depleted, and everything else was depleted, and there was only like a way to use fossil fuels, there's no more. We excavating, archi- um, what are they called again? Uh, archaeologists. Archaeologists. I was mm-hmm. gonna say architects. Archaeologists <laughs> over here excavating. We digging everything out of the ground. We using it. We're selling it. We're selling gold. We're selling marble. Everything that we have is basically just like going for our leisure. Mm-hmm. So for us to be sitting here and like d- doing so much life and taking away and not putting back as, because ev- a lot of people think of like everything is a cycle of life. Oh, that died. Okay, this is gonna decompose. That's gonna decompose. But for ourselves, we're not. This is not me. This is me right now. For now. Mm-hmm. You're looking at me now. You could you see me, but you don't see me. I'm a soul. I'm energy. But that's the thing. We can't go through. Humans don't go through life thinking like that. We we have a different type of um, 
compa- compassion for life or, uh, or an appreciation for our, our own species in the, in the sense that like animals don't bury their loved ones or, or, or animals don't have like ceremonies and, and right. they, the, the, they, the earth, know, the earth when, gets their nutrients right away you kill though. an ant right a thousand ants don't run over to you and try to try to kill you or, or try to like oh we're gonna get this dude for killing my partner like <laughs> we have we, we have a we have a way of thinking about things and we don't think like animals we can't just sit here and and just not care about um just not care about what happens like after death i think we think about too much of what happens after death and 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 also it's like we want to also have peace of mind we want to preserve ourselves mm-hmm. like yeah you can't take everything with you but we just for some reason, traditionally, and it's not something that's a, an American thing. It's not a Western thing. This is something that happened. This is something that started in Africa. True. We've been burying mm-hmm. people. I think we think of ourselves. We think of we think of ourselves higher than the ecosystem. Burying itself, important period. people, huh? I said in Africa they were burying important people. True. Not everybody was getting a full burial. People was getting well, was tossed into a mean, pit. We, we, tossed into a pit. All up in the Sphinx, dead people. We all make up, in up there. a small percentage of all the things that live anything. Anyway, true. So other things do get buried and decompose into the into the earth, into the ground. I don't think just burying. I mean, the countless animals that get um, decomposed into the right, right back into the earth. Right. So I I think the way we think as people, we're so different, and we actually think about these things, and and we have feelings, and we have emotions, and some people just say like, listen, I. My, my my family member has to be buried. People spend ten thousand dollars just to, just to, you cost more money than you than you than what you were worth to bury you. That's like, crazy. You don't, have, you don't have to be worth nothing, but it still costs ten to twelve thousand dollars to bury you. Standard. So don't you think that's a different robbery industry then? Oh. If you're thinking about the fact that it costs so much more. If you're in a business of death, you're gonna you're 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 making money. You're making money. People are dying every day. Exactly. So to charge somebody to put someone in their ground and you have to put somebody in a certain location, that's another scam of a, of the world. Some people charge some people charge like three, four, five thousand just to get cremated. And then another Sheba. way to get people sucked into religion, you can't get buried here if you're not a part of us. I was never stick with religion. I, I was never big on religion. No, but I'm just saying, like all these avenues, just forcing people to do things. Mm-hmm. It's just. Kind I think. Of I think crazy. that's. I think that that's that's human's way of just like you know finding acceptance, so to speak, or just finding people you know because people because at the end of the day, people are always going to cling to people who who, who are like minded, or people who they have a lot of similarities with. So I think you know religion is one of the ways where people just you know use that as a similarity to to have like a to find a sense of self or you know to have a sense of community. So I think I think that's why people do things like that. And, and, and also one thing when it, when it comes to like that whole bearing concept is crazy. Like oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, really I'm, makes you think they're gonna after this I'm gonna go home and do more really research on decom- decomposition and shit like that. Yeah, and and at the end of the day, I, I just feel like maybe burying somebody without a cost will be will be like the best thing for the ecosystem or, the, or yeah. the environment. But then again, you you can't just have someone just decomposing on the street. No, no, you no, can no. Still dick the it's always a, it's a way to go about body. it. Of course right. not. We're not animals. But imagine we just lay dead on the street. Imagine, <laughs> pl- imagine I go outside in your backyard right now, and I plant the evergreen tree seed. Evergreen trees live for hundreds of years, and how long would it take that tree to grow? Probably like 
the like maybe like 50 years for it to grow to what it could fully potentially be and then it'll live hundreds of years after then again imagine having someone buried in the ground and then planting something that they can give life to and you can come back and say okay my family's life force gave life to this and it's living through that other than like oh your dead body is under this ground right here decaying in a box your life actually went to something more even after death so what you're saying is with the, with the, the whole the whole, what it sounds like your whole purpose of this is to figure out how to give people purpose even after death it's not even people it's just like giving back what you took to you can never give back what you took you can never give back what you took but you can do as much as you can to, to do try it, to try and the fact that we're like literally tens of thousands of millions of people are laying in boxes right now and just like a shriveled up prune and all that energy is wasted that is true but I mean you think about all the things that we have created there's nothing like some, what the heck could this give back to the ecosystem <laughs> <laughs> no you should recycle this the computers and mic you just recycle this type of shit you recycle it and, and make more and more electronics and more technology out of it more appliances out of it. In the future, you it. could probably make four to four computers with that thing. With then, these, with these words, with these materials yeah. right here, just break it down, and then now we can make four smaller mini Macs with these. Most of the things that we use, all we have, all we have is a system to recycle it, but it doesn't give back to the earth. The concept of concrete defeats the purpose of giving back to the earth. Mm-hmm. That's- if you really think about it, like you, you can't dig a hole in concrete, and nothing can really grow it. I, I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess, like trees can grow up under concrete, and, and, and a root can grow and, and push through it. But I mean, really, like in reality, nothing can grow from off, like through concrete. At the end of the day, so we have ways of just like a lot of things that we've done. We've really disrupted the, the, the ecosystem. We've really disrupted. In uh, my eyes, I think that. No matter how much we've uh, come, how far we've come, we still need to stay humble because you, we mow our lawns, we wash the kitchen, wash the outsides, make sure everything is the hedges is cut. If we went fifty years or even ten years without touching a thing, the ecosystem will take its shit back, It'll destroy find. all the buildings and stuff like that. Vines will grow over this house and destroy this house. But again, we have to con- we we find new ways to to one stop that. True, but I'm just saying like the ecosystem will always kind of find its way to balance itself out and prevail. Mm-hmm. And if need be, With somehow a strain could come out of any out of nowhere and just kill us all off. Hopefully that's in a two thousand. That's, that's that's a bit extreme. That's a bit extreme. Now I don't I don't really want to end on that note, but yeah, no no no, we're gonna end on that note. No no, funny. But I'm I hope saying, nobody's like, discouraged by that. <laughs> Maybe that's just like do what you got to do now. Live your life how you need to live your life. Don't live your life with regrets. Right, right. Like, cause tomorrow's really not promised to you to anybody. Nothing. The universe owes you nothing. I was watching this um. It's called the uh, I want to say the cos I think it's called the cosmos. Sounds this guy, familiar. The black guy, um, Neil. The Grass Tyson. Grass Tyson, 
He's a Did I say his name right? Yeah, scientist. Yeah, in the undergrad station. So there was like Fuck this show basically um they were explaining how humbling astrophysics is and how we're all sitting here on this planet fighting for everybody for like one sector of people to be noticed. And each generation, each year there's like people being put down, people trying to be noticed, people trying to put down, people trying to be noticed, and how vast astrophysicists see the world and life the world and the universe they're looking past all the bullshit kind of like because in the grand scheme of things we're so small in the grand yeah, scheme of things we're so small so inferior it's kind of like um i don't know if you heard of the voyagers they mm-hmm. sent out in the 1900s they sent out voyagers of like everything mathematical things every language high in every language whale sounds stuff like that out into the universe to go try to um see if anybody gets it mm-hmm. and knows our point in the universe and they could come find us or anything. So there's a camera on it. And as it's reaching further out and about to leave our galaxy, it was about to leave the galaxy. The thing is still going out far into the thing. But they had it on TV. And it was like showing people like the little tiny dot that we are. That we are. As it was even if we're, even galaxy. if it was to find somebody, a little tiny dot that we are, a little tiny dot that we well, yeah, are, yeah, we still find bullshit reasons find, to, yeah, to argue and fight each other and be div- and divide, be divided amongst each other. The sun is like three thousand times this our size, and I feel like stuff like that. You just gotta take gratitude to it. Like we're in the perfect spot. We're not Mars. We're not on Venus, the other side. Right. Venus. Something. We're not too we're, deep out like yeah, Pluto like, and Jupiter. We have it so good here, yet we can make it so bad. Mm. That goes back to the the point where we're not like any other, um, be any other species on this planet. Yeah, we're just completely different, and um, we're so innovative, and we, we find and create new ways to. I, I think because we we also are so hungry, and we're so, we're we're developers. We always want to develop something new. Like, what can I make? What can I create? How can how can we progress mm-hmm. where where we're we're going against everything that we're going against the rules of nature there uh, there are unwritten rules of nature and we just go against it in every way shape or form i'm pretty sure even having a house goes against the rules of nature because yeah. animals don't live in houses right in houses but also the way we are as people are we are we able to just live outside are we do, do we do we have adaptations that allow us to just live Outside. That's what I'm saying. It's done for us evolving because we'll never know. We're just going to live in houses for the rest of our existence. Well, tell you one thing. We evolved in, in so. Do you guys believe in evolution first and foremost? I definitely believe in evolution. I do too. Mm. Do, you know, do you believe in evolution or not? Listen. Nah. Really? Mostly, nah. Like that's, I stick to the creation theory. My, I would say this though. I, in recent years, I'm starting to think that I don't know how true it is, but I'm starting to think and I hope I'm not being blasphemous. I'm starting to think that evolution could potentially be a process designed by God. But I, th- I think we evolved. And I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you based I'm gonna tell you just one way I think we evolved. Do you do you feel like all humans are the same species? A part of the same um or like do you feel like we are all homo, homo sapiens? Yeah. Yeah. You, would you say so? So you feel like a white man and a black man and a Chinese <laughs> Yo, I knew he was gonna say I knew that was the next no, no, I'm, ser- I'm serious though. Uh, we're not we not all built the same. No, definitely not. We're not all built the same. Why are we not built the same? Why why don't we have the same phenotype? Because because a, because a white man has 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 a, a narrow nose and and grows uh, long stranded hair like 
long he grows long stringy hair. Mm-hmm. Whereas as as um, people of African descent, we we have broader noses. We we have darker skin complexion. It, it, it all depends on which which part which part of the earth. So, you're from. Right. So our 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 environment plays a role on our actual genotype and phenotype. Mm-hmm. We have evolved. If if we all came from one species, if we came from one, if we came from Adam and Eve, it's crazy how we all could look so completely different than Adam and Eve. Right. At the end of the day, and I feel like the environment has played a role on why we look the way we do. Everything is geographic. Like people with darker skin who live near the equator, who originate from there, automatically off rip have dark skin color. Mm-hmm. The only reason why you see light skinned people in hot climates is because they migrated there and colonized there. Right. And their offspring has continued to 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 um, live on for generations. But generally speaking, dark melanated people live near the climate. Net, live near the equator. Mm-hmm. People of, of fair skin live in colder climates, and at the end of the day, they have adaptations that are that are um, that benefit them and their population. And that's why when they come to hotter climates, they get skin cancer. That's why when they when they move to hotter climates, um, they they experience other issues. Even even altitudes have 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 um have an impact on your nose structure. Mm-hmm. If you have a broader nose structure, you're able to. Maybe taking more oxygen, right? Because you live at a, and, you, and you live at a high altitude, and we all know that. Um, that's like that's like that's like the distance running from Kenya. O- the higher altitude you live yes. at, the less available oxygen that you can take in. Mm-hmm. So us being able to live, maybe um, you know Europeans lived in a lower elevation, and 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 also they lived in a colder climate, breathing in all that cold air. Yeah, yeah, they know it had to be that. The reason why they're able to walk outside with no with shorts in the winter times is because they have broad noses. Right, exactly, and I mean narrow noses, nostrils, I should say. They're not taking as much cold as we are, and and that's because of and 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 there those are many those are just one of many adaptations and um and ways that we have evolved as people. When you think about it, coming out of being in general population and just learning everything from high school, you go into like college and then like further higher learning, and you study deep into the sciences. That thing will really smoke your mind. And even if you come from like a general uh, church background and you're sitting in the class and seeing how many things that you thought was just kind of like different to you and it's like an explanation on the way that it actually happens, you kind of think like it makes you think more like, damn, that kind of makes sense. This makes sense. Like, Yo, I'm going to tell you a person, if, if two things make sense, I'm going to find a way for both of them to be right. And that's why I feel like, yo, evolution Man. could possibly be a process designed by God. It could be. Generally, I, my answer to certain things is like, I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. But like, when you think about, I'm not saying we came from primates or anything, but there was a whole Ice Age episode. So it makes sense for people to adapt and have hair more on their More bodies. on their body to be able to, pr- to protect them from the that. Ice caps melted. Everything was going good. Hair, less hair. But there's still we still have pores everywhere that hair could have come could, from, right? Right, and then also there's like reptiles. How do you explain reptiles? Reptiles are kind of come from like amphibious to land walking creatures. It's kind of like certain things you just see. That's kind of like you had to have changed to. It had to be. It had to be something. Something along. Something changed along the lines for this to happen. Yeah, for you to be. It able has to, to be, be alive right now. That's a fact. Like the um, what is it called? The uh, Black Plague too, mm-hmm. that was in Europe. There's no such thing as the Black Plague anymore, because the people that had the Black Plague died, 
and the people that weren't had the um, alleles and stuff like that DNA structure to not get it were alive. We're alive. So that's basically evolution that worked itself too. Like that's, 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 that's pretty much natural selection, right? Yeah. Natural selection. Same thing with sickle cell. Right. Right. Some I, people, some people, some people have the trace for it. Some people don't. I thought, you know, my whole life, I never even thought. I thought you had to live in Africa to have sickle cell, and I and I never knew that this was a, this was a mutation that has manifested itself into even generations right now. There are people all over the world right now, whether they're from Haiti, whether they're from America, whether mm-hmm. they're from, you, you know, it doesn't matter where you live. If you're of African descent, you have a chance of you know getting sickle cell, and that prevents you from getting malaria. And that's another way, um, you know, we've evolved is how, like, evolution has, you know, shown itself to us. Right. I think we're so crazy on religion and, like, if you if you believe in science, you're going against God's word. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you're reading, you're reading stuff out the Bible that was written by somebody. I think that those words were written by somebody. Inspired by God, but I see what you're saying. I mean, but what is God? How can someone you can't see write something down? And I mean, I not mean, not to say that he wrote it down, but he inspired the words through them, and then they were able to, to write it down. So he whispered in somebody's ear to write that down. So somebody had to write that. I mean, religion. I, 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 first and foremost, we had to come up with a, a system or a writing system before we can even develop a, a religion like Christianity. Before people were just spiritual, they 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 worship the sun, they worship, you know, the moon, they worship. Okay. The earth, the environment. So, yeah, so, so humans were constantly finding things, finding a way, or trying to find it. Which is, humans were always knew that there was a greater force, True. and that's hence why they were constantly finding different things to worship. They knew for a fact that there was. But a greater there's no force way there was just there was no way you, we that humans worshipped a religion. I think that gave people a code of conduct before the government did. Right, definitely I, in a way. There was one point where church and state were the same thing as well. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, I feel like that was the first initiative to form what we have now is a conscience. Because if, let's say we didn't have religion and there was people that are just naturally bad minded, there's still gangsters out there that'll kill you and be like, oh, forgive me. Right. Mm. Imagine there's a guy like that and he doesn't think there's a thing as burning in eternal hell and just did whatever he wanted to because he's like there's no there's no consequences to anything i can do whatever i want and i feel like in a way that's kind of something that's maybe happening now with this white supremacist movement and they're doing all these mass killings and stuff like that too people getting like more open-minded like if things are so bad on earth now i'm in my mind in religion purposes all the stories in the Bible of flooding and destroying these people and like God coming back and just like, or Jesus coming, being the Messiah and saving people. Like I'm pretty sure this day and age now is going to be equivalent to somewhere in the Bible where you oh, need definitely, to fix this. Definitely. Definitely. There's nothing new under the sun in, in a lot. All the things that we're experiencing now have already been experienced in human life okay. in, in a different way. I definitely I, agree I, with I, that, but I really don't believe in the Bible. Most of it, I just, I just can't really. It just doesn't really make sense to me. I just can't imagine me reading something in English, <laughs> and it, mm-hmm. and I mean, I mean, these, these, the, the Bible is something that someone just wrote and created. That's the way I feel, and I don't feel anybody had some, some. I don't feel like people actually. There was no Christianity forty, fifty thousand years ago. 
when people say bef- before Christ, that that doesn't predate human history. That just predates maybe two thousand years ago. And and we've been on this earth for mo- for long longer than two thousand years, at least two hundred thousand years. It doesn't predate it doesn't predate a lot of things. And then when you think about you know you know Christianity was inspired by probably some other form of religion that existed. But 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 also I, I just feel like it's hard for me to just say listen, I'm Christian. This the Bible is it, and that's it. And and every other human being doesn't follow that. Well, like well, like I've said, I've said this a couple of times on on the pod. But being that everybody is different, nobody everybody's not gonna abide by the same but uh, sets of belief. We're all different, so we're not all gonna agree on that. Well, there's no way that everybody, there's no way that there's gonna be one religion that everybody's gonna agree with because we all. This 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 human so experience why is very. In general? You said why religion in general? Why? I think I think religion is a way, like I said earlier, religion is a way for people to find a sense of community or to to have like minded people to find. Religion is a way for people to like to to create a moral compass, so to speak. Like it's their way of figuring out what's right or deciphering figuring deciphering right from wrong. So how could you I say think, the Bible's word is bond though? Because like I said, it's the the the, 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 the yes, man wrote the Bible, but they were inspired by God. And th- those words that, that are written in the Bible were inspired by God. That's why there's nothing in the Bible that contradicts itself. That's why it's, it's one cohesive book and not just a compilation of different... That, 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 that contradicts itself. Nah. You know, I, I would have to read the Bible th- all, all throughout and, and, and really, like, dissect what every part of that, that, that book means. But at the end of the day, like you said, it gives people a sense of community and moral values. And I don't think you need religion to, to, to give you moral values. Um, I was raised in a household and had values and had morals and religion played such a small factor. I'm not saying that we're, I'm not, I'm not atheist. I do, mm-hmm. I do have faith and I do, and I do believe in a, in a, in a higher being, but mm-hmm. it's just the concept of religion. I just think it's been forced onto us to kind of control us. And, um, we, we, we become such sticklers for religion and lost touch with, um, our spirit, our spiritual side. I could agree with that. I, th- I, th- I think that's just, that's the case for a lot of people. I'm I think, very much so lost by the I think a lot society. of people. I think it's easier for people to to um, come up with their own like laws and sets of belief and follow that than to to put their faith and trust in the something f- that they can't see or yeah, spirit or being they can't see. I think I think that is true to a certain extent. Not to I don't want to anger anybody at all because religion is like something that people live their whole lives by. Mm-hmm. But the phrase "let go and let God" really blows mine. Because it's kind of like, no, I'm. Not, it, it doesn't mean like let go of everything. I understand that, but in a way, it's kind of putting, putting it out there, to something that somebody else has created that you had no part in creating, which also therein puts in your mind is kind of like, I you're not creating. Not at all, but like is a certain part that's kind of like taking it out of your hands. When things well, I think I think part of the human experience is accepting the fact that we're not in full control. True. So that's a part of that statement. Let go of God. It's it's it's. Uh, when I hear that statement, I automatically think of of just having faith. True. I think that statement just speaks to to strengthening faith and, and accepting the fact that we're not in full control of this this experience. And also, the part, not part of that, but religion in general, I feel also was put in play during slavery to keep us a little bit more docile right so if you had like the commandments like that you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do that it's kind of like 
in the back of your mind. It's kind of like I shouldn't do that. I'm not. And and, and being that we couldn't read, they were, it was it was much easier for them to take the parts of the Bible that they wanted to use and exactly and use that against us. And people weren't able to read the Bible and use the Bible to their own good until they were able to to learn to read and, and until they were also, free. I think it's also hard for me to 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 be. Um, to, to be all invested in a religion that my ancestors historically did not worship or did not follow. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it, it's also mind-boggling that, you know, you actually do have people in Africa worshiping a white Jesus, which is ridiculous. <laughs> and, it, and, then, and, then, and then also, it, it, I, think, I, th- I just think it's crazy that, you know, we live our whole lives worshiping uh, a god that our ancestors didn't worship and, and if the, and if it's true that that christianity was forced onto us why do we continue to practice it why well, well mean, you gotta understand not, not 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 everybody's not taking the time to to reason on that level so and 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 and, 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 and that's an issue and that's the issue like also when, it, when we're talking about diet and health you said this wasn't our diet when we were in africa I think we all agree that we we do originate from Africa, from West Africa. Right. We are um, West African descent, right? And we can sit here and say, you know what? We, we weren't really supposed to eat this chopped up stuff. Mm-hmm. We weren't supposed to eat chitlins. We weren't supposed to eat the, the tail of a, of a cow. We wasn't supposed to eat the foot of a chicken. We <laughs> wasn't still supposed to. We were, it is. It, I mean, it is good. <laughs> we made ways to, to make it good, but we weren't supposed to do a lot of things that we do. Why do we still do it? And then why do we make an exception for religion if this was forced onto us? We didn't even speak English <laughs> when we got here. That and, is in, right. and in twenty years, we 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 started worshiping a, a Bible that 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 went against everything that we were. I definitely think it's a bigger conversation. We've been manipulated. No I, funny. I definitely think it's a big conversation. We, we have literally been hoodwinked, to be honest. We've been hoodwinked, and, and it carries on generationally. I don't, know, I don't know enough about the Bible to, to really like get to really give you. I can't. I, I can honestly say the same thing. I feel like I need to know more about the Bible before I even really de- delve deep into this conversation. The Bible's been written in English for how many years? At least since the not the sixteen hundreds. They were still in Europe, but. They, and, they, and they still speak English. They, 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 but it was it was it was because the king. Nah, yeah. So at least around the 1600s, when the King James version popped up, even though that's like an older version of English. So it was an oldest form of oldest form of English. It, it, even if it's even if I know old English sounds like German or like the, the um I think English is is has has come out of the German language. But even so, whatever whatever language was written in, and before the 1400s, Africans were sitting down reading that. And we were not worshiping Christianity. I don't think that was even a concept. So why do we do this now? And then, and then we sit here and we talk about, okay, we need to go back to our older, um, we need to go back to the diets that we, we used to have. We need to go back to those older lifestyles that weren't forced onto us. That that also, religion goes into that too. It does, but if it's working for some people, then how could you wrong them? How does it work for black people? We've been praying to Jesus. We wake up praying. I mean, every but at the, at the day same day though, you could you could nothing. pray you could pray your life away if we're not taking action the right actions and, and to 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 fix those to, to work towards those prayers and work towards getting what you out what you want out of those prayers. Then you're praying in vain. I mean, miracles that point. do happen. Miracles <laughs> happen, and that is true. Miracles really miracles really do happen. But at the but at the end of the day, if you don't get up out the if you don't study for an exam. And it's a written exam. 
you, you can't just say, God, I hope I pass. That's what I'm saying. Like, you can pray all you want, but if you're not taking actions towards trying to get what you want out of those prayers, then it's all in vain. It's all in vain. But I'm imagine since we come from spirituality being the strongest point, we're more of a soulful people, I would say. Black mm-hmm. people are more soulful. Everything is just, just like, everything is tangible if it's not tangible. That's why we're conquered. Just, so it's kind of like in a way, what if we were given a religion that also weakens us being interconnected in a way that other well, what people I could see, or we, we can close on this. What, 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 what I, I look at it like this too. I could see a scenario where, because I, I definitely agree that we were more spiritual beings when we were in the motherland. And then we got here, we were programmed using the Bible, things of that nature. I, I think that by way of us being programmed by the slave masters with the Bible, it caused us to lose faith in the sense that when you, once you, without that written word, right, we were more spiritual, we were more instinctive. But now once we were taught that written word, it caused us to like to lose faith in the spirit that was already leading us prior to that. And, and it caused us to now to rely on that solely to the point where it's like people don't even really, people don't even follow the spirit. People don't even follow the instincts anymore. They constantly, they, they kind of const- laugh at it. Right. It's serious now. It's right. kind of like a joke to people. Like you said, you said, you said, you said morals and sense of community. People go to church for morals and a sense of community. That's the, the I think that's an issue with the religion that we, we are really, that we are really worshiping. I really do think so. Other than that, man, I mean, other than that, who's gonna tell you right from wrong, though? Um, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's. I don't think it's that easy to to be able to, to determine right and wrong on your own as a human being, like without somebody having. You know what I mean? Like without. There's always a gray area, though, in circumstances. Right or wrong depends on the people who who live in the community, and you determine what's right or wrong, because what's right in one area, what's right in, in one particular area may not be may not be ethical in another area. This is true. This is true. I'm not going to hold y'all, though. I mean, y'all probably not even going to believe how long we've been recording for. About three hours. Nah, it's two and a half. Two and a half? Yeah, I'm, so, yeah. I'm back about to die, too. Yeah, man. But, yeah. This, but we touched on a lot in this we conversation. We did. It was just a real, a real round of conversation. I appreciated it. And I think I think people will be able to get a lot out of this conversation. And I definitely hope that you guys um, like, share, comment, and subscribe. Definitely comment on the SoundCloud. Definitely comment on, on Instagram, add me, all of that. And let me know what you think about the conversation, anything that you guys want to expand or anything that you guys want to talk more about, any topics that you guys want to hear. But there definitely was a lot that you could take away from this conversation. I definitely appreciate Brett and Chevron for, for joining me on this episode. Definitely. This was fun. We got to do this again. Definitely. Yeah, we got to do this again. But you, you're in? No, I ended yet. Yeah, you, you probably cut it out anyway. No, no, no. You got, you got what you're saying. I, I think, I think for the next, if we ever do something like this again, mm-hmm. um, I think we should probably talk about like some people want to hear maybe relationships, and, and kind of get, kind of get your perspective on. Yeah, relationships how, is a big topic. I already talked about relationships most, but we, but, but we should, but we should definitely touch on that though. If we go into relationships, we need to bring a, like maybe like a female a woman into on. the conversation. Yeah. Nah, okay. that's a fact. They should. That was, that I like, I like that idea. I like that idea. And, and so we have more of like a focal point where to kind of like focus in on and stuff like that. Because we, we touched on it. We went from talking about like reparations. <laughs> <laughs> to religion. To be the full and, circle. And, and, and we spoke about health and, and all of that. So it all ties crazy. together, man. It does. It, exactly. You know, it, everything still ties together, though. So it's, it's still important. I still feel like it's very important to have these conversations, to have these dialogues and 
to push the to push the agenda forward. That's facts. To push it to push everything forward. So I definitely do appreciate it.